This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back to another essential edition of the Michael Deacon program, reporting to you live all the way from the wastelands of California. I look forward to once again serving, I was actually going to say serving you, but then I thought, you know what, I don't even like doing the old intro anymore. These are not the sounds of salvation tonight, as I was misled to believe and I don't want to be known as a liar, so I should not say Sounds of Salvation tonight. However, first-time listeners out there, thanks for being here. The pleasure is all mine. Welcome to the circle. Tonight, we have Dr. Paul Cottrell, live and direct. He's currently in the eye of the storm, way out 
in NYC as we speak. He's got a lot to share tonight, and I believe he is now ready to go. So let's not waste any more time. Let's cut. Yeah, let's cut the bid. Let's get rid of the storm in the background. Yes, I love all that. That's always fun. But tonight, we will get down to business as it's very, very serious tonight. I, I believe it is. So we will stop playing games and bring in Dr. Paul Cottrell. What's up, Paul? Hey, Michael. How you doing? I'm good. I, I just got fired up all of a sudden. <laughs> I was calm and then I got all aggressive and angry. Yeah. So here we are. So, Paul, what's going on out there in NYC right now? Well, um, you know, a, a, we just recently had a conference from a press conference from our governor. And he mentioned that the hot spots in New York City um, are Brooklyn, a large section of Brooklyn and two smaller sections of Queens. Um, per, the predominant section of Brooklyn are Jewish communities, Orthodox Jewish communities. They are having uh, higher incidences of testing positive for SARS-CoV-2. Hospitalizations are slightly up in those communities, slightly up, um, but not drastic. But there is an uptick in new confirmed cases of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, I know someone, uh, a friend that lives in Little Neck, New York, uh, and her kids, they're like around eight or nine, uh, you know, so they're going to elementary school. And there is an individual within that school uh, that contracted SARS-CoV-2. So, you know, there's some worry about children when they're going back to elementary school, catching it, bring it home and all this stuff. So we're in a state of flux. Last time we talked, you know, we were talking about, well, maybe there's a herd immunity in New York because we haven't seen any new cases for a while. Yeah. But um, like I said on your show, it's important to watch the hospitalizations, not just the testing. The testing can be skewed. The more testing you do, it could scare the public thinking that there's an outbreak when there really isn't. So, but I do think that in, in Brooklyn and in Queens, there's a little bit of an uptick. So there is a clustering that's taking place. The question is, is will we hold the line in New York and not have a big outbreak and go back into shelter in place? Because right now we're in phase three of the whole, you know, pandemic here. Right. And for those that aren't aware, there are, there, there's some sort of um, large gathering. There was a protest, rather, if I if I recall, and this was just the other day. Well, there's a. Are you talking about the Orthodox community? Protest? Yeah, the Orthodox community protest. Yeah. I saw videos yeah. of that, so that's what you're referring to. And yeah. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that. That was something I wanted uh, to bring to your attention, so you are fully aware what's of what's going on. Not and, only that, the rabbi is is um, is stating that he's going to sue. The city and the and the and the governor for you know for overreach with the communities. So there's a fight going on between should these communities be locked down, and the rabbis are going, you know what, this is enough is enough. And this is a good point. How much of shelter in place can people mentally take? We're we're at the point. I mean, there's nowhere in the country, nowhere in the country that has gone through as a rigorous process for shelter in place as New York City. Nowhere in the United States. There may be other places in the world that have the same amount or, or, or worse, but there's no place in the United States that has gone with such rigor 
or shelter in place as New York City. And as a New York City resident, I'll tell you, I am sick and tired of it. And, uh, you know, enough is enough. You know, even if there is an outbreak, there is a certain point that you got to start thinking about the other variables, not just the health variable, but the economic variable, the, the psychological variable. Um, it's very possible that shelter in place, I'm, you know, I'm just stating kind of a hypothesis here, but it's very possible that shelter in place at this moment in time actually may be making things worse, not better. Well, earlier on, it may have been the prudent thing to do because we were dealing with an unknown. But I'll tell you, there's a psychological component here that's really important. You know, I, we were talking on the last show about your friend, uh, ex, uh, bandmate. Right. You know, he, you know, he, he, you know, reached out to you. Sure. Did you call him back to see how he was doing? Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. He's all right. He's all right. You know, so, you know, so the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, there's a, there's a mental side to this. Like the, the my friend that lives in, in, uh, Little Neck, you know, they were saying they, they're, they're tired of this. Oh, yeah. Having to worry about their kids and having to, you know, maybe they'll, have to do remote learning because in some areas in Queens and in Brooklyn, they're going to go back to remote learning. So that puts more stress on, on the family because someone has to be home watching the kids. They can't go back to work. Now, some of them, you know, may be just working remotely, but some may not be. So it puts added stress on the family. So this statism that we are starting to hear from Biden and Harris where the government is going to protect you, you know, there, there is negative externalities when you have statism. So in other words, you are against the lockdown, which might be happening all over New York, not just the Bronx. I think the there's, Bronx. there's a beginning. There, there, is, there is, there's definitely a, a, a lockdown that's starting yes. in Brooklyn and in Queens. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's important to watch the hospitalizations. If the hospitalizations start to go up, then we have a problem. The herd immunity hypothesis is not holding because either something is changing with the virus or something new was released, but the herd immunity isn't holding up, all right? But if the hospitalizations stay low, then the herd immunity is okay and there's no reason for shelter in place and to continue on this destructive path economically and psychologically. Right, I agree with you. And also, you've been quite busy as everyone can imagine, the online classes and, of course, the ongoing YouTube videos that you are mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. uploading there, Paul. I don't know when you sleep. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I... You're going I strong at all hours, You know, Paul. I do I do a lot. You know, yes. I, just, I just finished a major exam in, uh, ba- uh, in cardiovascular section for, you know, for my medical studies. And um, what was the other section? Uh, digestive. You know, now we're in pulmonary and, and uh, renal. But... You know, it's it's fascinating to learn, you know, th- this stuff, you know, at an sure. MD level. Yes. And I, I just but, wanted to quickly mention, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, I've learned so much just by talking to you all these months down the road here, Paul. Well, I, you know, I'm I, I'm glad to have these conversations, you know, with you and others, you know, to try to inform the public. But not only that, to you know, to to bounce off ideas. That's know? right. And, you know, I've considered my health uh, a lot more after talking to you the first time. Well, it's, it's important. It's important to, you know, to try to, you know, boost your immune system. I've been a proponent early on. I've been saying early on that the best thing you can do is take, you know, vitamins and, you know, you know, uh, you know, take supplements, get some exercise, 
have some sort of, you know, you know, you know, some sort of uh, mental health kind of, you know, routine, um, you know, it, you know, nano silver C sixties, uh, zincs D three, um, you know, there's a plethora of, of different nutraceuticals and homeo homeopathy type things that, that people can take that can boost their immune system. And by having a strong immune system, you have a better chance of fighting this. It's the ones that are worn down that have, that have you know, that are more susceptible. Do you mean like Chris Christie? Well, yeah. Well, Chris Christie is, you know, he's comorbidity. I mean, you know, he's he's all over the place with that. Do I you mean, think he's... He, do you think he's done, by the way? Do you think he's going to croak? Well, he might. <laughs> he might. I'm actually surprised that Trump was able to bounce back so quick because, yes. you know, with his BMI, uh, you know, that wasn't helpful. Um, but tr Trump has been known, at least it's been reported. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's been reported that he, did, you know, he wasn't getting colds, you know, or flus, you know, and, you know, he's somewhat of a germaphobe. So right. you know, he's hyper hygienic, you know, pre COVID-19. So, you know, he's, he, he, you know, he probably has a pretty strong constitution to, to, be able to fight, you know, viruses that way. He wasn't worn down. Chris Christie, on the other hand, looks like someone that's chronically, you know, chronically sick. Yeah. That's probably not someone who should be contracting the virus at all. No, no, no. Yeah. Trump is 74 yet. He's probably a lot healthier than Chris Christie is. Mm hmm. The only thing that I'm concerned about with Trump is, is that, you know, his BMI is a little too high, but his supposedly his cholesterol levels are, you know, within normal ranges and that, um, you know, his blood pressure is good. So, you know, it's and he's not taking any blood pressure medication to, you know, to lower it. By so the way, um, I, I hate to go back to Chris Christie here for a moment, but is it true that he's hooked up to a ventilator right now? Does anyone know out there in the chat? I don't know that. I don't know. I read I something know. on Twitter, but you know how Twitter can be. I, I doubt that he's on a ventilator. I hope not. Be, or I, I, if he's on a ventilator, he's going to be dead soon. I mean, I trash the guy all the time, but I don't want him to, to die. That's for sure. Right. That's kind of well, cool. You know, the thing, you know, the thing is, is that, he, you know, when he was governor of, of New Jersey, you know, he did that whole, um, um, bridge gate oh issue. Yes. You know, and, uh, I, I've, I've never really been a, a fan of Chris Christie, but I don't want anyone to die. Yeah, well, not this. many people are, you know, but we don't than, want them to die. Than, other than Nancy Pelosi, but that's a different story. You want Nancy to die? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I mean, that, that woman wants to destroy this country, and people that want to destroy this country with that much verve needs to die. You think she deserves it? Uh-huh. Do you believe it's true, the old saying that says, some people deserve what they get? Um, You know, there's this... That's not an easy question to answer. I know that's why I asked. Actually, actually, there is there is a Talmudic discussion about that very topic, and it goes deep. And Moses asks God, you know, what you know, why do good things happen? Right. To, you know, to bad people and why bad kid, things happen. Yeah. To good why kid? Why are kids diagnosed with cancer yeah. when they're born? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 You know. So there's this big discussion that goes on, and, and it's the idea that. Well, you have some people that are given a reward in this world and not in the afterworld. Right. And other, you know, but then you have a subset that are good people that do get a, a reward in this world, but it's somewhat muted in the afterworld, you know. So it, it's, it, it, who knows? Who, who knows? I mean, but there's certain things, 
certain people are so evil that you just wish they just go away and you don't care how they go away. Well, that's and true. I think, Nancy, I think Nancy Pelosi falls right in that line. You think she, she should go to some sort of black site uh, area and just stay there imprisoned? Well, yeah, like Gitmo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she should yes. be waterboarded. My goodness. I mean, they, you know, I mean, that, 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 think about what she did. I mean, she, she everything she states is is to bring down this country. There's nothing that she says that's really uplifting to 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 really promote individualism. It's always statism. She is it's pretty always, ghoulish. That's true. You know, and it's just like these people are trying. That she, unfortunately, she not unfortunately, fortunately. She is at an age where she's just about ready to exit politics, right? There's not, she doesn't have much time left, right? Now, un, unfortunately, AOC is the next Nancy Pelosi. The next crop. Uh-huh. The progressive that's, right. Yeah. And that's why it's important to, to prevent AOC from continuing on in politics because she's being groomed to be the next Nancy Pelosi. Interesting, and, and, and be you know be that new platform for the Democratic Party. I don't even think she likes Nancy Pelosi. No, because she, Nancy Pelosi isn't even that as left as AOC. That's true. Yeah. By the way, um, Paul, lots of people out there are saying that Trump doesn't actually have COVID nineteen, and one of the last things we talked about online, you and me. You mentioned a um, a video that you suspected he might be on a boat. Uh, others suspected he might be like on a plane. Perhaps they heard right. some sort of a turbine engine in the background in one of his videos. And uh, you know, I don't know what what to make of any of these videos. Some people are saying that these videos that he has been releasing are all pre recorded. Well, I'll tell. Yeah, I. There is a timeline here that I want to explain. I'll, I'll try to, to yeah, go ahead. Take the, over the, here. The, the, the explanation here. At first, when they they did the announcement on CNBC, that was the first one that broke the news. CNBC announced that he tested positive with Melania. All right. I went on my channel and stated, I think that there's a military operation going on and that he had to be in hiding. They're going to state that he had. He, he tested positive with SARS-CoV-2, and they'll do the military operation. So I was expecting something to happen on the border of India and China or something with Taiwan or Hong Kong, something that was China-related and that he had to be in a, you know, a war room situation and in hiding. Because if we went to war with China or with Iran, probably there's a high potentiality of an EMP strike. So they had to have him protected. That's what I thought was happening. Okay. So I was waiting for the signal geopolitically. The only thing, the, the only signal that was happening geopolitically was what was happening in Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan. I always butcher the pronunciation of it. Um, so there is a conflict with those countries. And that was the only kind of geopolitical signal. So I didn't think that that was it. So the next day, they announced that, well, he's, he's going to be going to Walter Reed, okay? And I was thinking, well, I still think that it's a military operation and it was just cover, all right? And at that time, there, the news was saying, well, Melania was sicker than Trump, but in reality, Trump was sicker than 
than, than her. He seemed pretty sick, though, Paul. I saw him breathing well, kind of unusually in that last well, video. Well, this is before that. That was before the video was released on Twitter when I made my my video on this. Yeah, yeah. So then he mm-hmm. tweets this video that's saying, "Oh, I'm going to be going to Walter Reed." All right, you know, to be checked out. In that video, I didn't see him having breathing problems. This is the one that he's standing. Um, at, it looks like at the White House, you know, in front. Maybe it must have been in the in the old office, um, and saying, "Well, I'm going to be, you know, going to be checked out at Walter Reed." Okay, so I didn't see I didn't see him having breathing problems at that time. Um, so I kind of thought, well, you know what? I, maybe it's still a military operation. All right. Then the next morning, the doctors come out in front of the hospital and they start going over his vitals and his situation. And w- what was interesting to me was that they were not, it didn't seem that they were being truthful about the, uh, the oxygen at the White House if any oxygen was given to him at the White House. Right. So that was a signal saying, you know what, maybe he is sick. So I was starting to go from, well, this was a military operation to he was really at Walter Reed. And then once once the one of the journalists mentioned steroid use, was he on steroids, they, they shut down the press conference. They just stopped and they went inside abruptly. They didn't say, oh, we're going to end now and we're not going to take any more quiet. It's just like, oh, we're going to stop. And then they just stop. Well, that's what they, caught the attention of these other physicians out there and these other doctors. Mm-hmm. When Trump was giving so that, the steroid, that, that, right. the steroid you're referring to is, I believe it was called dexamethasone. Right. Right. So this is a corticosteroid right. to, to prevent inflammation. Correct. And there is a there is a body of literature. And I so happen to have written a paper two years ago that's on SSRN. This was part of my coursework for endocrinology at Harvard, and um, and it was dealing with uh, the endocrine system and the use of corticosteroids for sepsis. And there was a debate at the time, and I think the debate is still happening. Do you give corticosteroids early in the infection or later in the infection process? Okay. Now, here's the problem. If it's a normal infection that doesn't lead to sepsis, you probably want to give corticosteroids later in the infection process because you need an an pro-inflammatory response to help produce an immune response. Now, for sepsis, it just so happens is that you want it early. You reduce the the, uh, mortality rates of sepsis if you use corticosteroids early. So I wrote a, a you know a paper on this deal, dealing with this, and um, um, but it was just a course paper, and but it had all the references, and I I mentioned this to Dr. Campbell. Dr. Campbell is the is kind of like the known uh, doctor that's from the UK that's on YouTube that's been talking every day about the coronavirus. Sure, right? he's been on my channel twice or two or three times, and I mentioned to him. This very fact, and he was from the standpoint, he was from the old school of thought that you you do not give corticosteroids early because you want the immune response. But I'm like going, you, we have something that is unknown that creates a cytokine storm, and when it creates the cytokine storm, it gets out of control, and then all of a sudden they have to be intubated, and they normally pass away. This is way before 
I mean, this is back in February. By the way, I just when, want to quickly mention, Paul, I, I just want to quickly mention and put it out there. The drug that was administered to uh, Trump is not one that you give to someone who just sort of casually has the virus. It's that that's only given to you if you have uh, difficulty breathing, if you have really mm-hmm. trouble breathing. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. something a lot of people should be considering. But lots of people out there really don't understand the severity of the situation that we're in, uh, with Trump actually, uh, whether or not if he's has the virus, if he does, how severe is it? We don't exactly know since there hasn't really been too, too much transparency between uh, the physicians treating Trump and the media. There's been some sort of uh, strange discord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, again, you know, back to the idea if, at very beginning, I didn't think he had it. But then when I was starting to hear the first conference and they were tiptoeing around his oxygen levels the debate given oxygen but 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 hold on hold on let me let me just quickly again i'm sorry to cut you off but i i'm dying to tell you if you look back during the first debate with biden you could tell trump was irritated he looked sweaty biden looked that way biden didn't look sweaty at all neither did uh wallace trump though however he looked like he had a fever Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Continue. I'm sorry right. to cut you off. No, 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 no. As that, as a data point, at, you know, ex post facto, I think that your point with the the debate was a good data point to say he was sick. Um, but that's only after the fact. You know, <laughs> you know, you didn't know if he had a bad day that day or what. You know, or if he, you know, it was low T or what. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but, um, but I think that was a good data point to, to prove your point that, hey, he's probably, he probably was sick. So when they had that conference and they didn't want to talk about the corticosteroid use or the oxygen levels, then I was like going, you know what? I think he's at Walter Reed. Okay. So then about five hours later, after my publication on, on, on YouTube, Marfugel comes out with this video analysis where Trump is in front of a table, a round table. He has some papers around and a book, and there are two flags behind him. And Marfugel put some stickers on some edge points. And you could see that there's an oscillation up and down, a slow oscillation where there was some camera movement. And people kept on saying that most likely the cameras that they're using for the president are on a, a gimbal. Right. Well, if if it's on a gimbal, then you're going to have that movement. If the floor is not, if the floor is moving and it's on a gimbal, then the camera is steady, but the whole room is moving. But the the, the gimbal is horizontal, a natural at a natural horizontal plane, and is going to be on an angle if the floor is moving. And that could happen if he was on a boat or a plane. Now, um, Marfugel said it sounds like it was a it was a boat because of kind of like the echo of the hull. And when I was listening to it, it sounded more something that was in a in a ship than in a plane. Plus, I think in a plane you would have a little bit more oscillation. Okay, so so that that video alone made me snap back to he wasn't sick even though five hours before I thought he was sick. <laughs> so right. I was, I've been going back and forth with this. All right. So well, you're not alone. Had, no one really I knows a, Paul. I, I had a meet, I had a, 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 uh, a recording with George Webb. Right. And he, 
he said, you know what? I think, and I shared the video with him and he goes, I think he's on a boat. And then he, he, he did a further investigation. He thought he was on the USS Gerald Ford, which is the, is an upgraded aircraft carrier. So that fell in line with the original hypothesis that this was an operation, like a military operation. Okay. So then all of a sudden they have another news conference talking about the president's state, uh, his uh, physical state. So then the main physician states his oxygen levels did go down to 94 and then bounce back up. The day before, he said that his baseline was 96. The day after, he said the baseline was 98. So he wasn't even consistent there. And then he eventually, you know, you know, admitted the, you know, some oxygen was given to him at the White House and that he did drop down to 94. And there was uh, corticosteroid um, administered to him. And so that means that they, I think they were paying attention to the new research out there that if you, if you suspect that sepsis is going to be the course here, if not taken care of, you put them on the corticosteroid. And there was probably some clinical knowledge about remdesivir um, and corticosteroid use. And they probably were pulling off of that, you know, new clinical data. Um, because you got to remember the remdesivir, they're administering that with, with more severe cases for SARS-CoV-2. Right. And therefore, you know, they may have had a therapeutic um, leg in the clinical trials that was saying, okay, no treatment with remdesivir, treatment with remdesivir, treatment with remdesivir, and a corticosteroid, you know, to see if there are syner- synergistic effects. So I think that they were paying attention to the latest research and how to prevent the cytokine storm. And I think it was very, and it leads me to believe that he was really sick. Now, I was playing around with iMovie. I use the, I'm on Mac, so so I use iMovie for editing. And uh, if you have a camera that has a little bit of a, uh, a shakiness to it for, for whatever reason, you can post-process your movie and, and click stabilize for that clip, the movie clip. And what will happen is, is as a software will, will focus on what the stationary point should be. So in this case, it would be the silhouette of the president. And anything around could move up and down a little bit. Um, so anyone that's tried to use the stabilization uh, feature in iMovie, you get a similar effect. So I'm, I'm with the thought that it is a, it is a post-pro- camera post-process artifact and that he was really at Walter Reed. And then he was not on the USS Gerald Ford. That's the that's the take I'm I'm at with this, and that he was really sick, and that he was really given remdesivir, really given the Regeneron's uh, monoclonal antibody, and he was you know given you know. And what's in, important is he was given D3, he was given zinc, he was given the cor- the, the corticosteroid. Um, you know, early on I was saying corticosteroids need to be given. We had to give them protease inhibitors. The remdesivir acts like a protease inhibitor. So, and you have to have the zinc and you have to have the D3. So he's been I'm, around 80% of what he's being given is what I've been stating in February. Right. What's new is the monoclonal antibody. And that's what is interesting. And this is where kind of like the conspiracy thing comes in. He keeps on using the term 
gift from God or a blessing from God. Right. I have that video right. right here. We'll play it in a moment. Go ahead. All right. So my thinking, and I talked to Miss Taiwan. I don't know if you've ever heard my discussions. Yes, I have one time only. I okay. So so Miss Taiwan says that the chatter in Asia is that the Regeneron monoclonal antibody from Eli Lilly was was uh, was a was one of the therapeutic legs for the U.S. military as the antidote for for the virus that was being assembled when we had it in here. That we when we when we were developing the virus back in between two thousand and eight to two thousand fourteen. Right. There were there were startup companies, startup labs, pharmaceutical companies that were working on an antidote. And that Eli Lilly was one of them. And that the the the, the blessing from God is a code that this that that this was the this is the US antidote to the virus. Some are just saying the reason why he's acting the way he is is the side effects from the drug dexamethasone. Well, I mean, I mean, acting like what? I mean, I don't see really that much of a difference between. I don't either. Pre, pre, <laughs> to be honest, I don't either. You know, Pre-COVID Trump and post-COVID Trump. I mean, I don't, pretty much the I don't, same. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was awesome when he was leaving Walter Reed. One, I thought it was awesome that he left Walter Reed, goes in the caravan. Pisses off all the Democrats. He's waving at his crowd and he buys them pizzas. All right. And then he goes back into the hospital. And then the next day he's let out and he's on Marine One. He comes, you know, he lands on the lawn and he's walking up the stairs. And then he takes off the masks, the mask on the balcony. And then he salutes. And this is important. And you'll, you'll understand why I'm saying this. You know, that he's saluting the Marine One as it's flying by, flying away, all right? If someone has pulmonary distress, and um, um, we know that there are many cases that had low blood pressure issues, especially if they had comorbidities, that he would not have been able to stand straight and not wobble and not look fatigued and not pass out and be able to salute the Marine One like he did if he was in distress. So what he just proved to everybody was that he was he he did not he 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 was fully functional and that he was not weak because if someone that was having pulmonary problems it's going to affect your blood pressure and that him standing like that for that long he would have he would have gone into a a, a lower uh, blood pressure because it wouldn't be pulled you got to remember that you know you, that because of uh, uh, vascular um, the the veins are compliant, they'll pool with blood and, and you're not going to have as much circulation going to the right atrium. So he would have had a lower blood pressure. So he would have a higher blood pressure as he's walking up the stairs. And then as he's standing, his blood pressure would start to go down and that he could have, he, 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 there, there could have been a path. He could have passed out, but he didn't. So that was proof positive that he physiologically, he's okay. And you are referring to, I believe the video where he's taking off the mask, uh, correct? Yeah, yeah. He takes off the mask and then salutes mm-hmm. Marine One on the balcony. And that's several minutes. He didn't go and sit down. And it's someone that has pulmonary problems, someone that's just has, a, has just a bad cold, they couldn't do that. Climb up the stairs like that and then just stand there. You know, they feel, you know, somewhat, and he didn't wobble at all. He stood straight and tall and, you know, and saluted. 
and he didn't look he he did not look fatigued one bit. He took a few big gulps there, but I think that's probably normal well, for him. I'm, I'm well, not sure. What I noticed was he kept on pushing his pushing his uh, making sure his tie was straight, and you know kept on pushing the the lapel you know forward. He didn't want to show his fat butt or you know, fat <laughs> you know the belly. Well, he didn't but, look yeah. terrible, is what I'm saying. He no, no you know he took I, a few. I, Mm-hmm. He, I think that I think he looked presidential. He showed he looked strong, and I, I I think that whatever they're giving him, it's working. We're assuming we're assuming that they're not giving him anything else than what they listed. But based on what they mentioned in the news conference, if what they're saying is true, it makes sense, and you know it's it's helping, and it is right. a and this is the important thing because of his age. Because of his BMI, he just showed the American public, and this is the the most important thing, he just showed the American public that we do not need forced vaccines, that there is a therapeutic path, and that is remdesivir, a monoclonal antibody, and probably um, you know synergistic effects with corticosteroids. And what is interesting is that Fauci, even when he when Trump was at Walter Reed, where was Fauci? He, Fauci is the head of infectious diseases. Don't you think he would have a comment to say about the president being in in hospital? That's very interesting. You bring up SARS, Fauci. Yes. SARS-CoV-2. I'm not sure he if didn't he's say made. Anything. Oh, so he didn't make any comment. No. And the thing is, is that, that what because he knew what Trump was getting. He Fauci is towing the line for Moderna. Moderna is the messenger RNA vaccine. Everything that Fauci has done for the last nine months has been pushing, trying to take things out of the toolbox for doctors and nurses where it will exacerbate the infection. He took away hydroxychloroquine. He was saying that vitamin C and D3 wasn't working, even though there were published papers that showed it did work, that D3 activates the apoptotic pathway where, where it overrides the, 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 the virus signal to downregulate apoptosis, D3 reactivates it. So you can clear out the virus quicker if you take more D3. Now it was a published paper that just came out, I don't know, about a week and a half ago. So, you know, so Fauci has been saying all these things to take away tools out of the toolbox to, to be able to push this vaccine program, a forced vaccine program. Because if people realize that there is a therapeutic out there, or there is a cocktail of things that people can get or take that will lessen the effects and get you, you know, to the path of, of, of recovery and you don't need a vaccine, then the forced vaccine program from the New World Order is demolished. We'll talk about that in a moment here. Let's go to uh, the clip of Donald Trump, by the way, the very latest video he released. Hi, perhaps you recognize me. It's your favorite president. And I'm standing in front of the Oval Office at the White House, which is always an exciting place to be. I got back a day ago from Walter Reed Medical Center. I spent four days there and didn't have to. I could have stayed at the White House, but the doctor said, because you're president, let's do it. I said, fine. You tell me what to do, and I'm going to listen. These are great professionals. They've done a fantastic job. And by the way, not only at Walter Reed, all over the country, we have the greatest doctors in the world. We have the greatest nurses the greatest first responders, law enforcement, by the way, incredible, firefighters, everybody. They're just great. We have great people. This is a great country. But I spent four days there, and I went in. I wasn't feeling so hot, 
And within a very short period of time, they gave me Regeneron. It's called Regeneron and other things too, but I think this was the key. But they gave me Regeneron. I think he pronounced that wrong, but that's okay. We know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. And it was like unbelievable. I felt good immediately. I felt as good three days ago as I do now. So I just want to say we have Regeneron. We have a very similar drug from Eli Lilly, and they're coming out, and we're trying to get them on an emergency basis. We've uh, authorized it. I've authorized it. And if you're in the hospital and you're feeling really bad, I think we're going to work it so that you get them and you're going to get them free. And especially if you're a senior, we're going to get you in there quick. We have hundreds of thousands of doses that are just about ready. I have emergency use authorization all set, and we got to get it signed now. And you're going to get better. You're going to get better really fast. This is things that nobody even thought of a few months ago. The job that the scientists, the labs, everybody have done is incredible. Then in addition to that, you have various other uh, drugs that help a lot. But these, I view these, and now they call them therapeutic. But to me, it wasn't therapeutic. It just made me better. Okay? I call that a cure. So I want to get these things done. So we have to get them done. We have to get them approved. I want to get them to the hospitals where people are feeling badly. It's much more important to me than the vaccine. But on the vaccines, we have many companies that are in final stages for the vaccines. Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, all great companies, but many of them. And we're going to have a great vaccine very, very shortly. I think we should have it before the election. But frankly, the politics gets involved, and that's okay. They want to play their games. It's going to be right after the election. But we did it. Nobody else. Nobody else would have been able to do it. I don't think I like the sound of any vaccine right now. Yeah. You know, I'm a little hesitant. But hold on. Let, yeah. me, let me play the rest yeah. of that. I just want to okay. quickly okay. add some commentary there. I'm just, I don't know. I, I just don't think the first batch is probably the wisest thing to be taking. But hey, that's just me. Here we go. The FDA has acted as quickly as they've ever acted in history. There's never been a time, and no president's ever pushed them like I pushed them either, to be honest with you. But the FDA is approving things in a matter of weeks that used to take a matter of years. So we have these drugs, Eli Lilly and the others that are so good, but they are, in my opinion, remember this, they're going to say that they're uh, therapeutic, and I guess they are therapeutic. Some people don't know how to define therapeutic. I view it different. It's a cure. For me, I walked in. I didn't feel good. A short 24 hours later, I was feeling great. I wanted to get out of the hospital. And that's what I want for everybody. I want everybody to be given the same treatment as your president because I feel great. I feel like perfect. So I think this was a blessing from God that I caught it. This was a blessing in disguise. A blessing from God. I caught it. I heard about this drug. I said, let me take it. It was my suggestion. I said, let me take it. And it was incredible the way it worked. Incredible. And I think if I didn't catch it, we'd be looking at that like a number of other drugs. But it really did a fantastic job. I want to get for you what I got. And I'm going to make it free. You're not going to pay for it. Free. It wasn't your fault that this happened. It was China's fault. Hmm. And China's going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. Hmm. China's going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. Hmm. And just remember that. So we're going to get you the drug. It's going to be free. We're going to get it into the hospitals as soon as you can, as soon as we can. And you'll see some amazing things happen because we have our military is doing the distribution. It's called logistics. 
and they deliver hundreds of thousands of troops in a matter of days. This is easy stuff for them. Our generals already were waiting for the emergency use authorization, and the drug companies have just made a lot of it. So hopefully this is going to be not just a therapeutic, it's going to be much more than a therapeutic. You're going to get better, you're going to get better fast, just like I did. So again, a blessing in disguise. Good luck. And there we go. Well, there's a lot there to unpack. There's a whole lot there. You know, but the thing is, is that at the very beginning, the the first thing I want to mention is, is that the Regeneron, I think is how it's pronounced, but I could be wrong. The Regeneron is, um, um, he just mentioned that they're making a whole lot of it. He just mentioned that in that video. So that, that means that they have had probably a lot of data or clinical trials that this was the right thing to do. And this falls back into the theory, the hypothesis, I should say, not the theory, the hypothesis that a blessing from God is a, is a code saying that this was the military antidote to the virus that was being developed for the weapons program. Okay. Now, um, I agree with him that it's about therapeutics and not about vaccines. Now, the question comes in, where does he stand when it comes for patient autonomy and patient-physician relationship? If the patient states, I do not want the vaccine and that if I get it, I will go down the, tr- the, the therapeutic path for treatment, which I think is the, is the more prudent path because this is a bioweapon and you're making an antibody to present to your adaptive immune system to be able to fight a a a bioweapon and antibodies and no idea. don't and antibodies and you, don't last forever either right right and you have no idea what the ramifications are that even if even if the even if there's no nefarious thing with the the vaccine program which i believe there is but let's just say there's not there, there's no nefarious activity with the vaccine program with a 330 million individuals in this country, if they were forced vaccinated and only 1% had some sort of side effect of, of some spectrum of vaccine injury, either because of digestion or some sort of rashes or some sort of neurological dis- issue or leaky gut syndrome or something or autoimmune disorder, some peripheral nervous system disorder, 1%. Means 3.3 million people. More people would be harmed from taking the vaccine than actually the ones that have died from SARS-CoV-2. And that includes the individuals that had other comorbidities. So it doesn't make sense to have a forced vaccine program. So this is why I am a proponent of making sure that we prevent the BioPatriot Act and force vaccines. That if someone wants the vaccine, then they should take the vaccine. Correct. But if someone says, I don't want it because I don't trust it or whatever, or I had family members that were that were vaccine injured or have children that were vaccine injured, whatever the reason, they should be able to opt out and then take the, if, if catching SARS-CoV-2, then, um, then, you know, go with the therapeutic path. That's why it's so important to realize that this Regeneron um, monoclonal antibody is is um, is the path to prove that we don't have to have the Fauci 
forced vaccine program because who was in the running was really Oxford, which was the DNA vaccine or the messenger RNA vaccine. And the messenger RNA vaccine is very easy to manipulate nefariously and uh, affect your, your cells. The DNA one is a little bit harder to do, but it's there. The reality of the situation is you can't, we've been trying to work out vaccines for many diseases for decades. And then right. all of a sudden they're able to, in record time, to find something that, that, that supposedly is safe. It's a little fishy. It. It's a little fishy. Yeah, I don't believe it. And I think, you know, and, and, Unfortunately, we get past through this crisis and then five years later or six years later, the vaccine injuries start to pop up. Right. You know, we have no idea what this means for tumor suppressor genes or, you know, oncogenes. Are they activated or suppressed? We have no idea. There's not enough longitudinal data to prove it, Any, especially for the messenger RNA platform because but, it's never been done before. Right. And so go ahead. I, I was going to interrupt you with some Fauci news, but continue. You know, so. I I think that he's right in terms of we want therapeutics as more tools in the toolbox for the doctors and nurses to do their job. They've been trained very well and they can do their job instead of having the technocrats tell the doctors and nurses what to do and to erode the patient autonomy. When I went for my white coat ceremony, which is a very solemn ceremony as you pro progress through your medical training. I had to state an oath, and in that oath said that I had to uphold the, the, the patient-physician relationship and that patient autonomy was paramount, all right? Every physician has to state the Hippocratic Oath or a modified Hippocratic Oath. And unfortunately, we have a lot of physicians out there that are not stepping up to the plate and upholding that Hippocratic Oath and saying the things that I'm saying, and that is that you have to promote the patient autonomy. You cannot let statism come in and tell you that you have to have this done, especially when there's not enough data to prove that it's that, that, that it's not causing harm. But unfortunately, there's not enough physicians out there that are standing up like I am to to you know to state the ideals of the Hippocratic Oath. By the way, I've been to one of those um, white coat ceremonies. Up in SDSU, mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah, it's pretty, yes, it's you know it's cool, you know, and you know it's so you got to be a part of one of those. Yeah, wow, uh, you know, I yeah, I pretty mean, cool. you know, and that's part of the whole process of you know becoming an MD, right? You know, but um, I took it seriously when I said the Hippocratic Oath. You know, we had a modified Hippocratic Oath because the original Hippocratic Oath, you know, swears you know, to, you know, different Greek gods and stuff, you know, so there's a modified version that's a little bit more, you know, you know, modern, you know, to the, um, you know, to, you know, current religious belief systems. But, but, you know, but the, the idea is, is that it's a very serious thing. And I, I you know, right. if you, if, if you state an oath, you know, either to the country to uphold the constitution or to, up, you know, uphold, um, you know, uh, medical rights for, for, for patients, you got to take that seriously. And everyone that's ever, you know, stated the Hippocratic Oath in whatever form, they, they need, they, they swore that, that they would stand up for, for patient autonomy, independent of how it affects them financially. And unfortunately, there's too many doctors that are more worried about losing their license and their paycheck than actually promoting the things that I'm talking about. And that is patient autonomy.
Absolutely, and I do have an update here on Dr. Fauci, as you were inquiring about. The nation's leading infectious disease expert just this Tuesday said as many as 400,000 Americans could die from COVID-19 if action isn't taken in the fall and winter. So that's what he just recently reported at some virtual event held by American University that between 300 and 400,000 will die. That was yesterday? That was yesterday. Tuesday? Yeah, yes. yesterday. Yeah, so you know what it is, is in the, in the media, they're spinning that, you know what, this is going to be, you know, a really bad event and you have to be fearful and let statism make the decisions for you. So this is a book, this is right out of Brave New World, where it, it's the technocrats that make the decisions. 1984 all over, right? Yeah. Well, it's a combination of 1984 and Brave New World. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, the 1984 part of it is if you don't do what we say, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to put a jackboot on your on your neck, um, you know, and you have to toe the line. Um, Brave New World is, you know, manipulation of your, you know, of your DNA and all this stuff. So so it's a combination of 1984 and Brave New World. And what's interesting is Brave New World was published around 1932. All right. And this is the rise of the Nazi power, power, you know, power and the whole idea of eugenics and superiority and the uber mention and all this. And then after the war, when when uh, Orwell was um, when, was convalescing for tuberculosis, um, you know, he wrote 1984 and I think it was published in 1948. So it was kind of a play on it's like the future, but he just, you know, flipped you know, flip the, the year around. Understood. And Paul, there are uh, debates currently going on right now between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence. I mm-hmm. believe we have a bit of a live feed here. We could okay. hear okay, some audio cool. for a few moments here. I think many of the listeners might like that. Yeah, that's cool. Here we go. Yeah. have two minutes uninterrupted. Well, our heart breaks the loss of innocent, any innocent American life family of Brianna Taylor has our sympathies. But I, I trust our justice system, a grand jury that refused the evidence. And it really is remarkable that as a former prosecutor, you would assume that an impaneled grand jury looking at all the evidence got it wrong. But how do your opinion, Senator? I think but, and with regard to George Floyd, there, there's no excuse for what happened to George Floyd. Justice will be served. But there's also no excuse for the rioting and looting that follow. It, it really is astonishing. Flora Westbrook is with us here tonight in Salt Lake City. Just a few weeks ago, I stood at what used to be her salon. It was burned to the ground by rioters and looters. And, and Flora is still trying to put her life back together. And I must tell you, this, this, this presumption that you hear consistently from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that, uh, that America is systemically racist, and that, as Joe Biden said, that he believes that law enforcement has an implicit bias against minorities is, is a great insult to the men and women who serve in law enforcement. And I want everyone to know who puts on the uniform of law enforcement every day, President Trump and I stand with you. And it is remarkable that, that when Senator Tim Scott tried to pass a police I got to say, Pence sounds pretty um, intelligent here, by the way, Paul. Senator Harris. Yeah, I mean, he's very presidential. I mean, he has a, you know, there's a presidential aura around him. That's true. He sounds pretty good right here. Ability, new resources, but we don't have to choose between supporting law enforcement 
improving public safety and supporting our African-American neighbors and all of our minorities. Under President Trump's leadership, you, we will always President. stand with law enforcement and we'll do what we've done Vice since day Pence, one. And thank you. Your time is lives up. of African-Americans. Thank you, Vice Record President unemployment, Pence. record Vice investments President in Pence, education. And we'll fight He's not stopping. Choice for <laughs> Look at him go. Thank you, Vice President. <laughs> Senator Harris. I will not sit here and be lectured by the Vice President on what it Why the hell not? Oh, shit. The laws of our country. <laughs> I am the only one on this state who has personally prosecuted everything from child sexual assault to homicide. I'm the only one on this stage who has prosecuted the big banks for taking advantage of America's homeowners. I'm the you only know, one the on this stage. The thing is that she's the only one on stage that was fucking that has actually been bought by the CCP and her and her husband too. Amazing. She's like, go ahead. God, she's such an asshole. God, I can't stand her. Amazing. Took a debate stage in front of 70 million Americans and refused to condemn white supremacists and. It wasn't like he didn't have a chance. Not true. He didn't do it. And then he doubled down. That was pretty funny. And then he said, when pressed, stand back, stand by. And this is. But but here's the problem. Can I go off? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. This this, this drives me fucking nuts. (laughs) Jump in there. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Her family, her and her husband were bought and paid for by the CCP with their, with, with, uh, with their business dealings and, and their, um, and their um, um, law practice, all right? Just like the Bidens were bought and paid for, and, and Hunter and Hunter was the conduit for the money. So there's a common theme that's going on here, is, is that the Democratic Party spins that, that there's corruption between Trump and Russia. But the reality of the situation was there's deep corruption that has gone by for at least a decade or more with China and and the Democratic Party, and they keep on spinning that 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 uh, that there that the the um, that the Republican Party you know is is in in bed with the Russians and it, you know and the, the the bear is around the corner and you got to worry about them. The reality of the situation is the deep state wants to take down what makes America great, and that's our Constitution and our individuality, and. They wanted a a 21st century China, but Trump was smart and said, I'm not having TPP because you keep on screwing the the American worker, you know, and, you know, we're not going to have that anymore. And then you had the 1000 talent plan where you're stealing technology. You're having these apps that are put on uh, on uh, American technology and you're surveilling the American public. And this is that whole issue with Huawei and TikTok. And Trump is trying to to pull pull them out of the system. And you have the Democratic Party that is u- using the judicial branch to 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 try to create stop orders on on the president's um, um, executive order to to prevent this this surveillance that's going on with the CCP with the whole TikTok thing. All right. You keep on hearing everything from the Democratic Party is about how are they going to help the CCP? It's not really the Chinese people. The Chinese people in general are good people. The problem is, is that they are run by a one one party system that that's communistic and they don't really care about their people. They care about their power. But unfortunately, the CCP is in bed with the deep state and they together are pushing a 21st century one world agenda. And what's in the way is a little piece of paper that we call the Constitution. 
and the Patriots. So when she starts saying, oh, Trump, Trump is saying, oh, stand by, proud boys, you know, because, you know, we have to protect the Constitution and our and our and our civil liberties. She wants us to stand down so she can burn the Constitution. And the reality of the situation is Boyd was on fentanyl. That's why he died. He was on a, on a number of things. Yeah. But the thing is, is that, he, you know, but the thing is, is that the, is there police brutality? Yes, sure. there is. But no. it's not as common as they are stating. No way near as common. And the reality of the situation is, is that Fauci spent seven, within five years, $7.4 million to get gain of function between 2014 to 2019. A big chunk of that money went to Wuhan or gain a function of this virus and kill 200, over 200,000 American citizens. That's on record. All right. And here's the problem. There's more people that have died from SARS-CoV-2 because of fucking Fauci than any police brutality that has happened to the, to the, the black community. It's no way near 200,000. That's right. You know, so, the, so what is happening is, is the BLM and the Antifa movement it's trying to tear this country down, and they're trying to turn it into a race riot, just like they did right before the last general election in 2016. And it is um, the patriots that need to stand up and protect our Constitution and push back. And that's what I mean about it's getting to a point where we need to go kinetic. And if, if it means it's out in the street and it needs to happen, then we need to do it because we have been trying to do it peacefully. But the reality of the situation is – they are going to spin this and they're going to try to burn down people's residence and, and destroy people's property and, and businesses and state, well, this is just a flare up because of, of, uh, minority, uh, anger because of police brutality and, 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 and white suppression. Well, let me tell you this, Harris. All right. My great, great grandfather fought in the Civil War on the Union side alongside with General Grant and saw the signing of, of, um, of the surrender of Lee with Grant at Appomattox. He fought in Richmond and in, in Petersburg. Those were the last two major battles that, that ended the Civil War. My, my ancestry goes all the way back on my father's side to 1790 when George Washington was the president of the United States. And in every major war, in every major war that this country has fought, someone in my lineage has fought for, for, for the United States. And I am so sick and fucking tired of these liberals trying to tear down what my ancestors were trying to protect. And that was the Constitution and individuality. And I am not going to let this continue. That if this thing goes kinetic, if this thing goes kinetic, I'm going to be the, I'm, I, I intend on leading it because this, this bullshit needs to end. People like Harris is trying to destroy this country and, and, and erode our civil liberties and it needs to stop. And her spinning it that the Proud Boys are a bunch of racists, that's total bullshit. Total bullshit. Who's racist are the Antifa members. It is unacceptable to force people that are white to bow down and, and, and put their hand up in the air and, and ask for forgiveness. Why? What did they do? They didn't do anything wrong. The reality of the situation was is that the, the tribal leaders in Africa were selling their people during the, you know, the slave trade. Why don't they bring that up? Their own people sold them, themselves out. Ridiculous.
But we as citizens of this country need to stand up and protect that Constitution and, and fight against these, these, these crazy liberals. They want to you know, turn it into statism, turn it into a gigantic you know, commune, communist commune. Right. And the American people have grown tired of everything that's been going on. And unfortunately, I see more chaos in the streets after November 3rd, no matter who wins. Well, well, you know, the thing is, is that I think it'll be worse if, if the Democratic Party wins, because I think that I think that the Patriots are going to say this is this is it. This is this is the red line. Well, that too. We cannot yeah. we cannot let this continue and that, that it has to go kinetic. Because the problem is, is that if you try to do it by talking, I tried it. I tr- tried to talk to many of my representatives. They don't take your call. They don't listen. I even tried to warn the governor early on. You did. You know, and said, we have a problem and you better start paying attention. And I got a letter that global warming was more on his agenda and not coronavirus. Really? Yeah. No, that's something so, I mean, else. And I even did a video on it and I read the letter. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yes, I, I do recall playing the audio, the voicemails you left, and they never got back to you, Paul. No. no wow. Because they don't care. They, because at that time, they were, all, they, they, they were all focused on trying to impeach President Trump, try to hurt his, you know, hurt his you know, reelection. That's all they cared about. And that's, that's all they ever care about. Because what, is he, what does he really represent? He represents, not perfectly, but he represents the idea of individuality and protecting the constitution and preventing the integration of a new world order. That's what he represents. And he is, he is the monkey wrench in the system and they don't like it. They want a Chinese century to launch the new world order and to stop it. You have to weaken China and preferably bring down the CCP. Because if you bring down the CCP and they really have democracy in China, you won't have a new world order. And here we go, Paul. One more time. Let's listen in on the debate for a few moments here before we exit out and uh, move along. And she added, your examples could make all the difference bring us together. So to each of you in turn, I'd like you to take one minute and respond. Brecklin, Vice President, you have one minute. Brecklin, it's a wonderful question. And um, we just commend you for taking an interest in, in public life. I started uh, following the news when I was very young. In America, we believe in a free and open exchange of debate. We celebrate that. It's how we've created literally the freest and most prosperous nation in the history of the world. I, 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 I would tell you that um, don't assume that what you're seeing on your local news networks is synonymous with the American people. You know, I look at the relationship between Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late justice who we just lost from the Supreme Court, and the late Justice Antonin Scalia. They were on polar opposites on the Supreme Court of the United States, one very liberal, one very conservative. But what's been learned since her passing was the two of them and their families were the very closest of friends. I mean, here in America, we can disagree. We can debate vigorously, as Senator Harris and I have on this stage tonight. But when the debate is over, we come together as Americans. That's what people do in big cities and small towns all across this country. So I just want to encourage you, Brecklin. I, I want to tell you that um, we're, we're going to work every day to have government as good as our people, the American people each and every day. Love a good debate. We love a good argument. But we always come together and are always there for one another. Thank you. In times of need. And we've especially learned that 
Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Let me interject there. Jump in there. You know, the reality, the reality of the situation is the deep state killed Scalia. That, that's a fact. They had a pillow on his head. They never did an autopsy. And it was very, and it was very suspicious on how, his death because it was at a, at a hunting range, you know, that was more an Illuminati, you know, uh, you know, deep state thing that he was connected to. Right. And so, so it was suspicious on how he died. Now, in terms of Ruth Ginsburg, and I, we mentioned this on your show last time. That's right. All right. You know, yes, she, first of all, she's not the very first woman to, to be elected to the Supreme Court. She was the first woman to be an ultra liberal. Because O'Connor was the first woman that happened to be a Republican, but no one pays attention to that because O'Connor was more about protecting the Constitution. All right, but but Ruth Ginsburg as a justice um, and and promoting um, uh, women's rights, I think, was a great thing. Where she fell short was where did she draw the line for supporting the unborn? Nowhere. You didn't say anything about supporting the unborn. And it's the same argument that if you if there if women have rights, which they do through the Constitution, then so do the unborn. And that we have to delineate a certain point during the developmental process that that unborn has has protection and deserves life. Now, there are some extraneous situations during development because of deformities and, and, and all that where termination of pregnancies may be prudent. But terminating a pregnancy because of socioeconomic issue, a late-term abortions, I am totally dead set against. And she was nowhere to be found. And what was happening is the ultra-liberals have been, been passing these late-term abortion or at-birth abortions uh, in the state legislature and cheering on while they passed those bills. And those bills were written in blood. But she didn't say anything about that. And no one talks about that. Yes, women should have rights and 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 and. and you know, better health care and all this. There's a lot of inequality, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And it was a lot better because of her. But she fell short when it when it came to the unborn because it didn't fit the liberal narrative. That's all I got to say. Understood. And I believe the debates are now officially over. Well, you know, you know, but, you know, <laughs> I don't think we, but, um, yes, um, I, I agree with you. I was just, Stating the uh, facts here, we have seen the last of the debates. And from what I heard, it sounded like Pence was uh, pretty intelligent out here during the debates, well, I, by the you way. You know, I, I always thought that, Pen, you know, I didn't see, obviously, the whole thing because we've been doing this show. Right. But, but you know, <laughs> but my my gut feeling was that he was always going to be more statesman-like, you know, more presidential, and that Harris will be placating to the left. The reality of the situation is that she incarcerated a lot of minorities, especially blacks. She, you know, she even, you know, touted about it. Um, she also, you know, as I mentioned, she's tied financially to the CCP in representation, legal representation and in businesses, especially with her with her husband. So there is a connection there. Trump is not bought and paid for by the CCP. The CCP doesn't like Trump. They've lost trillions of dollars of GDP. They don't like Trump. The CCP wants Harris in. Now you have to ask, you have to ask the question, why is our enemy, our natural enemy, geopolitically, wanting the Democratic Party? Because they will, they're able to usher in that, that plan. Now, the sad thing is, is that once Trump leaves office, either in a couple months or in four years, who's going to replace him? 
because no one has the balls to, you know, to go up against the deep state like he's doing. And I honestly don't think he's doing enough, but he's done a lot more than anyone has ever done. And think about it. Think about the metaphysical aspects of the Constitution. All right. We as a colony were subjects to the king of England. We are subjects, just like we would be subjects to a new world order. All right. And we fought the revolution and wrote a document talking about our independence, our self-determination. We the people. And they want to erode that and go back to this servitude that we had when we were colonies. This cannot stand. This cannot stand. And I want a politician that gets up on stage and starts, starts mentioning these things. You know, the reality of the situation is, is that the weapons program for this virus was under Obama's administration because it started after the gain of function in vitro in 2008. They got DOD money from 2009 and they shut down the program at the end of 2014. That is all under Obama's administration and Fauci was funding it. He was there. And then, right. And then, and then it went over to Wuhan. It went over to Wuhan and into Canada. That's what we know so far. And America has had a long history with bio and chemical warfare going back to World War, World War I and World mm-hmm. War II and probably even before that. Uh, I don't have to spare you the details, but it's all out there. And there are way too many similarities this outbreak has had with 9-11 that you should most definitely question everything that you hear. Well, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we definitely have been – see, I've been I've – been, trying to sound the alarm that we've had a rogue DOD doing weapons programs that they shouldn't be doing. And they hide it under the idea, well, this is for national defense, national security. But in reality, what it is, is that it's just going to hurt people and they don't really need to do it. All right. You know, what's the difference between 4,000 nuclear weapons and 10,000 nuclear weapons, right? You know, what's the difference between, you know, uh, uh, 10 uh, viral, viral agents versus a hundred viral agents or a thousand viral agents. You know, the DOD is, is doing things and they're playing mad scientists and they need to stop. And, and we need to start putting provisions in place that they, they, that the military industrial complex, the scientific military industrial complex has our, our reign in and curtailed in what they can do. And this is part of the reason why, you know, that we created a foundation. You know, we, we just started the foundation um, where where there's a, a, a group. We, we created this group page on, on face, Facebook and it's, it's called Freedom Restoration Foundation. And we're going to be publishing articles, videos um, about elements of the Biopatriot Act to try to inform the public and to be Active citizens to prevent the Biopatriot Act. That means that means trying to prevent decaching, trying to prevent forced vaccines, trying to prevent the militarization of the police, trying to prevent the tracking uh, mechanisms that they're they're trying to have through 5G and you know other types of technology. We want to go back to a pre 9/11 day and shrink the that that um, intelligent. Um, department apparatus that grew right out of 9-11. And so we're, you know, I hope that the people that are listening go to Facebook and, and join our group. Again, it's called Freedom Restoration Foundation. 
And it's our way as active citizens to try to inform the public what is sneaking up in bills in Congress to show people that these individuals on the Republican side and the Democrat side are writing in provisions, especially in stimulus bills, where they're trying to erode your civil liberties. Yeah, they're all complicit. Right, exactly. And that we have to hold them accountable. We have to hold the Democrats accountable and the Republicans accountable. I want... I want freedom. I want self-determination. I want the ability to live dangerously but free. I don't want nanny state telling me that I'm going to be protected and I don't have civil liberties. I'd rather die than to have that happen. Lots to go on with what you just mentioned here. But before we do, here is a clip from the debates with Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. Get back to normal. Dr. Anthony Fauci and other experts say that most of the people who can be vaccinated need to be vaccinated. But half of Americans now say they wouldn't take a vaccine if it was released now. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should t- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Vice President Pence, there have been a lot of repercussions from this pandemic. In recent days, the president's diagnosis of COVID-19 has underscored the importance of the job that you hold and that you are seeking. That's our second topic tonight. It's the role of the vice president. One of you will make history on January 20th. You will be the vice president to the oldest president the United States has ever had. Donald Trump will be 74 years old on Inauguration Day. Joe Biden will be 78 years old. That already has raised concerns among some voters, concerns that have been sharpened by President Trump's hospitalization in recent days. Vice President Pence, have you had a conversation or reached an agreement with President Trump about safeguards or procedures when it comes to the issue of presidential disability? And if not, do you think you should? You have two minutes without interruption. Well, Susan, uh, thank you, although I would like to go back. I I think we need uh, to move on to the issue. But I would like to go back. Because the reality is that we're going to have a vaccine, Senator, in record time, in unheard of time, in less than a year. We have five companies in phase three clinical trials, and we're right now producing tens of millions of doses. So the fact that you continue to undermine public confidence in a vaccine, if the vaccine emerges during the Trump administration, I think is is unconscionable. And Senator, I, I just ask you, Stop playing politics with people's lives. The reality is that we will have a vaccine, we believe, before the end of this year. And it will have the capacity to save countless American lives. And and your continuous undermining uh, of confidence in a vaccine is just it's just unacceptable. And let me also say, you know, the reality is when you talk about about failure in this administration, we actually do know what failure looks like in a pandemic. It was 2009. The swine flu arrived in the United States. Thankfully, it was ended up not being as lethal as the coronavirus. But before the end of the year, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, not seven and a half million people contracted the swine flu. Sixty million Americans contracted the swine flu. If the swine flu had been as lethal as the coronavirus in 2009, when Joe Biden was vice president, we would have lost two million American lives. His own chief of staff, Ron Klain, would say last year 
that it was pure luck that they did, quote, everything possible wrong. And, and we learned from that. They left the strategic national stockpile empty. They left uh, an empty and hollow plan, but we Thank still you, learn President from Pence. it. And I, I think Vice the President American Pence, people, I'm going to say again, can be Vice proud President Pence, I'm sorry, of what we have up. done. And Senator, please Thank you, stop President undermining Pence. confidence. Amazing. Well, <laughs> well, you know, the first thing, based on what Harris said, you know, she doesn't mention that the CDC, the, the HHS, the FDA, they're all captured. And they're, they have a, a revolving door that, that they allow policies and procedures to be in place so big pharma can make a ton of money so they can sit on a board and, you know, collect a big check. Sounds familiar, Harris, because that's exactly what, you know, her and her fucking husband does with the CCP. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that Fauci is compromised. The CDC is compromised, like Mesnier, uh, Nancy Mesnier. So, uh, you know, it, it, to, to say that the experts, see, this is what I was mentioning about statism. They, they want the technocrats to make the decisions. But the, the problem is, is that what happens when the technocrats are bought and paid for and that, that your best interest and in the patient autonomy is sold down the river? And she, you know, so Pence should have mentioned that. He should have thought on his feet and said, you know what, perhaps some of these institutions, like when they were taking hydroxychloroquine off of the list, for you know, possible therapeutics right. during this crisis, maybe they were doing it because they were pushing an agenda like a forced vaccine program. So uh, you know, so I'm totally against Harris, you know, saying, oh, you know, Trump is is you know forcing forcing the issue with forced vaccines. Um, but here, but here, here's an important point: Trump's administration needs to be forthright to the American public, and Pence didn't mention this. Are they going to allow for forced vaccines? Is it going to be mandatory? Or will patient autonomy prevail and that it will be the choice of the patient? Because I am scared of this vaccine. I am much more scared of Moderna than, let's say, Oxford. All right? And I don't even consider the Regeneron uh, monoclonal antibody. That's not really a vaccine. Not That's really. therapeutic. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so we we are starting to see stuff on the shelf coming online that could help treat this thing that they made. And what's interesting is that what Pence said about the swine flu, 2009, there was a pandemic. DOD needs to get money from Congress to to you know to do investigation of potential gain of function of other viruses, and it led down a program of gain of function and the weaponization of coronavirus at Fort Detrick under University of North Carolina with with the Batwoman, Doctor She and and Doctor uh, 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 Barrick and and others. And, you know, eventually was outsourced and offshored to Wuhan. That's what happened. So we are we are dealing with a deep state that infected us. The reason why we didn't have such a such a high kill ratio with the swine flu was that was natural. This is man made. This is a USA CCP virus, but it's a USA deep state slash CCP virus. The similarities, however, are that they were both accidentally released well yeah like that accidentally released 
Yeah, I'm saying you know, it's not accidental. <laughs> it's not. not. <laughs> it was an accidental release. You know, for 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 this for there's no for accident. The Wuhan, that's for sure. No, no, no. This 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 this. If it was accidental, then why did Nancy Pelosi put decashing in the first stimulus bill when they were trying to pass it? Why did she push for a digital wallet through the Federal Reserve? You know why? Why are there why are there papers being written in academia on how to mandate? To get the public to accept a mandate for for a vaccine program. Yep. Now, right? the, now the reality of the reality of the situation is is that people don't trust the government because the experts are bought and paid for. They're compromised. They're not there in for our best interest. They they are licking their chops and how they're going to make money when they get out of government and they go on board at a big pharma. It's all monopoly. You know, it's the same problem with and even even uh, even uh, Trump Jr. stated this recently. I think on Glenn Beck's show. Don Jr. is that who you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, Don Jr. Don Don Jr. He he mentioned on Glenn Beck um, a few days ago where it, it, Trump, his father, mentioned to the, the the military brass, "Why are we in these never-ending wars in the Middle East?" And the answer was, "It's complicated." And he goes, "Well, try me." And, you know, why are we there? And they couldn't give an answer. And the reality of the situation is, is that when you have a never ending war, you have the opportunity that when these big generals start retiring, that they get on the board of Raytheon and, and Halliburton and all these weapons defense uh, companies and they make a boatload of money. They end up being millionaires. So they retire with a pension as, as a, you know, as a three star or four star general and they end up getting on a board, to, you know, to be doing consulting. For that company, because they got the they they have the war and they need to, to buy the weapon systems, so they make sure. That, you know, so that that's like being a trader. That's right. You're making money because you set up a system in place where it's perpetual. They, there should be a provision that these 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 generals cannot be on these boards and, and cannot be consulting these guys. Yeah, I agree. There needs to be some. They should you know they should go on. They should be given a horse. And just, you know, right off to the sunset. Right. And stay out. Stay out. And now let me ask you this, Paul. Now the solution from our president, he is saying the solution now is a vaccine. And I'm not taking that shit. I'll tell you that. I'm not getting a COVID vaccine. I'm not getting a flu shot. I have never even taken a flu shot in my life, by the way. Well, you know, here, here's, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, Mike. By the way, I, okay. did you get that clip from uh, Dr. Oz? He was cut off of Fox News. I saw some clip someone sent me just recently, I think over Twitter. Uh, he was on Fox News and he was questioned about the flu vaccine. And he said not to take it, that it would make you susceptible to COVID-19. Yeah, well, I mean, the and thing they is... they cut his ass that, off, by the way. Well, I didn't see the video, but they it wouldn't surprise me. I believe uh -huh. that, you know, over-vaccining an individual... Um, could cause problems, inflammation, and there is a lot of evidence that peripheral nervous system disorders and autoimmune system disorders manifest because of, of that. Now, I had a friend, I think I mentioned this on one of your shows, I had a friend in, in uh, 7th and 8th grade. Um, he was adopted from Vietnam, South Vietnam, and he had polio. And the reason why he had polio was because he wasn't vaccinated. That's right. You know, so I mean, I, I am not anti-vax. Some vaccines are important. Yeah, I'm not what's either. Important, what is really important is the scheduling and not forcing these vaccines on children too early. 
And, you know, while they're growing and their neurological system is pruning and, and, and growing and pruning and growing and pruning, you know, when you get, when you get these inflammations, that's when the spectral, the, the spectrum autism starts. That's right. Or the digestive issues start. And it's better to wait. You know, yeah, there was no autism. To harm these children. There was no and autism in the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s. Right, right, right. You know, and I'll tell you right now, I didn't know anyone, anyone in the United States that, you know, was born in the United States that I'm Gen X. So, you know, I was born in 72. Yeah. But, you know, but I didn't know anyone in elementary school that had autism. Zero. None. And, um, you know, now it's not uncommon to have one or two or three students in a class that have some sort of spectral disorder. That's right. And by the way, I have one more clip to show you. This time it's with Kamala taking the lead here. Let's play that clip. It's only about a minute long. Let's roll with this. You know, Joe is, I, I love talking with Joe about a lot of these issues. And, you know, Joe, he, I think he said it quite well. He says, you know, foreign policy, it might sound complicated, but really it's relationships. They're just think about it as relationships. Yeah, and he's selling so out his fucking country. Professional relationships. Um, you got to keep your word to your friends. Got to be loyal to your friends. People who've stood with you, got to stand with them. Got to know who your adversaries are and keep them in check. But what we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed our friends and 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 and, and, and embraced dictators around the world. Let's take, for example, Russia. So. Rush, I serve on the Intelligence Committee of the United States Senate. God help America's America. America's intelligence community told us Russia interfered in the election of the president of the United States in 2016 and is playing in 2020. Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, said the same. But Donald Trump, the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, prefers to take the word of Vladimir Putin over the word of the American intelligence community. And that was Ms. The Harris. Reason- the reason why he is not listening to the intelligence community because they're part of the deep state. They are promoting the CCP 21st century policy. That's the problem is that he can't trust them. And when she states, you know, you got to you, you got to be nice to, you know, you, you, you know, the, the ones that helped you. Well, that's that's how the CCP buys and pays for the politicians. I mean, and the reason why Trump is more for Putin than than let's say President Xi is because the United States is 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 more in line geopolitically to Putin than China because Russia could be an ally in a two front war with China just like what we did with the Nazis in World War II, and that's why it's so important to build a relationship with. With Putin. Is he the perfect leader? No, he's not. Because, you know, he rewrote the Constitution and he seems to be a perpetual leader in, in, in that regard. But, you know, sometimes you have to have your enemy be your, your ally. All right. And in this point in time, Putin is more aligned with us. If we say us means trying to stop the new world order, Putin is not wanting a new world order. Because a new world order is not going to be Russia-centric. Because what is the new world order saying? They want to stop oil and coal. Russia's biggest commodity, its 
largest part of its GDP is the energy sector. So they can't let the new world order take that down. So he's more in line with us. If we say us meaning individualism and protecting the constitution instead of capitalism with a K at the CCP. And then they're going to have some sort of one world government in Brussels. Would you take the Russian vaccine Sputnik? No, I don't want a vaccine from anybody. But if I was if I was forced to have a vaccine, and this goes back to the previous question, sure. If I was forced to have a vaccine, I would I probably would prefer the Russian the Oxford. No, the Oxford. Or the okay, the Oxford one. I, I trust that more because it's the DNA version. Even though my understanding of Sputnik is also DNA, but I, you know, I I am a little bit more confident with what AstraZeneca and Oxford's doing than the Moderna. Random side note here. The other cider in the chat room says, Eddie Van Halen died of COVID. No, he didn't die of COVID. He died so. from, from cancer. He, yeah. he died from throat cancer that metastasized to the brain. That's and that right. was why he was out, you know, out of the public eye because, you know, because of the brain cancer. But they'll rule it COVID anyways. You know, I just like, you know, here's the problem is, is that, you know, everything's assumed that, you know, that it's a COVID death. Yeah. Or, you know, or they're, they've been John Galt, you know, they're going on an island and they're, you know, they're still alive. But you could see that he was gaining weight in some of the the last pictures of him. And, you know, he, you know, it looked like his face was a little bit lost. And, Bummer. you know, those are some, you know, those are some of the signs of, of brain cancer, depending on where the brain cancer is. Rest in peace but, to Eddie Van Halen, by the way. Right. Right. Well, what I mean, me being Gen X, you know, that, that, yeah, Van Halen was huge That's when I right. was in junior high school. And, I'll, you know, and that was when Jump came out. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I, I'll tell you, I mean, I grew up with, with Van Halen. Yeah. That song wasn't being um, played during 9-11. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or after for like a year or two, you didn't hear that shit on the radio, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I'll tell you. Um, but but Van Halen, I personally, I like the Sammy Hagar days more than the David Lee Roth days. Ooh, now you're going to start a fight. Yeah, you're so going to try to kill you, you now. Know, I, you know, I'll tell you, Fifty One Fifty was a great album. It was a great album. But you know, the thing is, is that um, Joe Rogan interview David Lee Roth and he was asking him this is this is kind of interesting he was asking him you know what was the difference between Sammy and David all right and and David Lee Roth with you know he put it really eloquently that when when David was in the band it was more um kind of like uh let your hair down you mm, know a little I bit see. more fun and games sure Sammy was a little bit more professional, physical and, and professional yeah, and, and a bit more business and, savvy. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And, I've heard that. You know, and, but I, I like both of them, but they were definitely different bands when they had, well, they're different people, you know, you know right. But you know, the damn, the, you know, the, the, the band, the way the band was marketed and right. projected itself in the media was way different during the David Lee Roth days than the Sammy Hagar days. And then when, and when David Lee Roth came back, it reverted back to that let your hair down days. On a, on a quick you random know? note here on um, pertaining to this subject, I just wanted to quickly say the 5150 uh, guitar amplifiers are one of my favorites. Really? I like it more uh, yeah, than Marshall. Just, you know, yeah. I, you know, what, what about your, what about the, um, his, his brand of guitars? 
is EV, they're pretty good. You know, EVH. I played guitars. a few of them a couple of times at a guitar center. I like the guitars very much. You you prefer them just to the standard Gibson? Well, see, I was a Gibson guy. Well, see, that's that's where we have an issue. There, there's something special about a Gibson Les Paul yeah. uh, in your hands. It's yeah. a very expensive guitar, by the way, for those that don't know. You know, so I when I was playing guitar, I was I was I started on a Fender. And then I then and then I went to Gibson. I didn't even know and you played guitar. I bought the I, I yeah no, I, I played guitar for like nineteen years. Oh shit! I, yeah yeah. When I moved to New York, I I sold all my equipment. But I mean I you know I I play guitar a lot. But I mean I had a lot of equipment. You can play jump. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, but you know the thing is, my very first riff that I learned was uh, Master of Puppets. Really? Yeah. yeah. Usually it's smoke. Uh, it's you know. The song well, the very first riff was, yeah. was I, I bought, you know, I, I bought, um, you know, I bought a, um, a, you know, notebook and it was one of those notebooks where it was, you, you could, it was notes and also the finger, finger positioning. Yeah. So, so I learned the finger positioning. The proper positioning, and, yes. And chords, right, I'm sure. It, I, I'm, right. I'm surprised you didn't learn Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple, which is, yeah. uh, you know, a song that everyone learns when they first pick up a guitar. No, no, no. It was... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, no, that was the very first thing. And that was on the Fender. Nice. And then okay. when Guns N' Roses came out, then I was like, you know what? I want a Gibson. And I just like the three pick, you know, three pickup Gibson. Right. And, you know, and I just, and, um, the first, the first chords that I were, I was learning, the power chords were the Metallica power chords. And then, and then, um, then I started learning, um, a little bit of the Joshua tree from you too. So that was like really, you know, the, the you know, the first stuff that I kind of gravitated to. Very nice. I had no idea that you were a guitar player yourself. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. But yeah, you know, but I, I was, th- you know, I, 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 I kind of would like to get back and, you know, buy a guitar. And I was, I was thinking about, um, um, the harmonic ones or the harmony ones. What was it, the harmony? I think it's called harmony. It was. It's a line that um, Angels and Airways use. Oh, okay. What, what, what's the brand? It's 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 harmony, isn't it? I'm not exactly sure who makes those guitars, but yes, I, I'm. Oh, right, I'm very aware of um, that group. That's with uh, Tom DeLong, if oh, I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Epiphany, isn't it Epiphany? He, or uh, you mean Epiphone? Or Epiphone? That's it. That's it. Epiphone. So you know and. You know, a lot of people were complaining about the pickups on them, but they were, they've been upgraded and, you know, so the, the new versions of Epiphone are, are you know, better. Very nice. But, well, now but, is so the I time. Was, I was thinking Epiphone, I was thinking Epiphone with Vox. That's a good, it's, it's, good gap. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, now is the time to uh, start playing guitar again. We might be under yeah. another lockdown here pretty soon, Paul. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if I get kicked out of medical school and I might have to be, <laughs> I might have to start a hair band. Yeah, you might have to go uh, and play in the corner out there where the Orthodox Orthodox Jews were on 105th. Uh, was it 105th Street or where is that at? In the corner there? Uh, well, it depends on which community, Jewish community you're dealing with. I mean, there's multiple Jewish communities in New York, but but um, I don't know. I think the hair band, the hair band might might work if, if medical school doesn't yeah if medical school doesn't work out for you yeah and, that's, and, you know, that's uh, the corner of that's, <laughs> that's the corner of 50th street by the way 50th street and 15th avenue 
50th Street and 15th Avenue. That's where that the um, Orthodox community was at. Oh, where they were doing the protest. Correct. Yeah. That's where we'll find you. Well, maybe. With a hat. I mean, they, you know, they do also the protest by 42nd Street, by 42nd Street in, in Lexington, um, because one of the Israeli um, embassies are on the corner there. Oh, wow. Now, that so, I didn't know. See, I don't know the geographics out there, so I'm kind of clueless. I just know that there are some yeah, so very bad the areas. And, yeah, 50th and 5th. Is that, a, is that a good area? And Lex. Is that a good area, by the way, Paul? Like, is it nice? Is it a little ghetto there? What, what's going on? Um, Draw us a picture. No, no, it's no, it's all right. I mean, it's nice. I mean, anything, anything in that area in Manhattan is decent. But after the riots and stuff, you know, and, and the business is closing, things are more becoming ghetto. Ah, well, yes. So you know, but if you know, but if you're going into Harlem. Uh, maybe not. You know, it's kind of dangerous if you're going into if you're going into areas that are um, just south of Houston Street. Eh, it could be a little shady if you in in the Washington Heights area, which is like the tip of northern tip of Manhattan. Um, it's a little shady. You know, Bronx obviously shady. Sure. But, you know, some areas of even Queens is shady. So, but in Manhattan in general, most of Manhattan isn't shady, but it's starting to, it's starting to become either barren or police aren't around. So there's, you know, more, more crime and, you know, more drug use, more bums running around. That you know, trash is you know all over the place. Understood. And going back to the debates, just to wrap it up here, someone had sent me a another quick clip, and this time it's of Mike Pence going at it here a little bit. This is only forty-one seconds, and I do have a few more things to add here before we wrap it up. Almost mm-hmm. two hours in here, and time has flown by. Um, let's play that that clip. When you were when you were DA in San Francisco, when you left office. African-Americans were 19 times more likely to be prosecuted for minor drug offenses than whites and Hispanics. When you were attorney general you. of California, Thank you, you increased the, purport, the disproportionate incarceration of Thank blacks you. in California. Yes. You did nothing on criminal yes. justice reform in California. You didn't lift a yes. finger Thank to you. pass the first step back on Capitol Hill. I mean, the reality is your record speaks you, for Vice itself. President, President Trump and I have fought for criminal justice reform. Thank you, Vice President We fought Pence. for educational choice and opportunities for African-Americans, all of our members. Thank you, sir. And we'll do it for four Thank members. you. And there we have it. Her track record well, isn't good, by the way, if you have not no, I looked mean, into that, that. You know, that that was the point I was making in, in a previous segment. Earlier, of the show. right. You know, yeah, earlier, you know, is that her stance with minorities has been poor, but yet the Democratic Party is saying, hey, minority group, please vote Democrat. And the reality of the situation is, as Trump said, you know what? For non-violent crimes, I'm going to give you a second chance and let a lot of people out. All right. And that was admirable because I think that, you know, unfortunately, there's too much criminalization that's going on in the country. This is part of the Biopatriot Act that I've been mentioning is that I'm concerned about the militarization of the police and an overreach of the government and where uh, individuals are being jailed or, or being prosecuted and doing hard time 
for things that are quite minor and they shouldn't be doing hard time and they, it only makes things worse. They, you know, they get out and they can't get a job or a good job or, um, sometimes when people go to jail, they, they end up becoming hardened criminals and, you know, or, you know, more dangerous when they get out. So Trump, you know, basically said, Hey, I'm going to give you a second chance. Obama didn't do that. Obama, you know, represented quote the, you know, the African American constituency, but why didn't he have legislation passed to give people second chances? He didn't. And the, unfortunately, what, what is happening is, is that the the Democratic Party is lying to the the minorities out there, saying that we have a better plan than the Republican Party for you. And in reality, the Republican Party has a better plan. So, but the the mainstream media does is not honest. They don't really they don't say what Trump has really done in his three and a half years or so, or well, no more than that, almost four years in office for minorities. He's done a lot. Uh, and he did more for minorities than, than anything that Obama did or, or Biden. You know, what, what did Biden, what did Biden give as, as, as a, as a VP? He had his son get $1.6 billion from the CCP was investigated by the FBI with some sort of dealings with the CNA, um, nuclear agency of, of China. He's tied with uh, being a business partner with the Heinz family, who was the stepson of John Kerry, who happened to be the, the Secretary of State under Obama. See, what happened was that the CCP thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win the last general election. She didn't. They had they they did not expect that Trump was going to win. So it was to, to speed through this 21st century China Understood. that was being promoted in the in the media, and that's what the Democratic Party represents is trying to fast track the CCP and and the erosion of our civil liberties. Let me ask and, you this, Paul. Yeah, Lots of people out there protesting against the mask. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you feel about that, by the way? You know, I'm not someone who's willing to get sick at any cost. You know, I'm someone who was already social distancing and avoiding people at all costs, especially those standing so close to me in line. You know, I've never, mm-hmm. never liked that at all. So, you know, I'm someone that doesn't want to get sick at all. I don't want, I don't want anything. So do you think people are not taking this so seriously? That's why it's going to be sold so damn long before this actually goes away. Uh, people were not taking uh, the virus so seriously. People were becoming so lackadaisical. Well, it's transient. It depends on the time that you look at. You know, early on, I said not to wear the mask because we needed the PPE for the first responders because we didn't have enough. Because at that time, the the worry was that if the first responders fell, then the spread of the virus would be quicker because we didn't have health care. So at that time, I said, you know, masks were more important for the, the first responders. But once we ramped up the mass production and we started to see the hospitalizations go up in New York, um, then it was prudent to start wearing the masks to prevent the spread. Now, if the population reaches the 19 to 23% herd immunity magic number, assuming that the R0 value is 1.3, then 
unless you're in an area that is heavily dense, like in mass transit or let's say a football game or, you know, a concert or something like that, I don't think it's, I don't think you really need a mask. It's only if you're in a concentrated area. If you are living in an area that has reached the magic number of 19 to 23%. But there's many areas of the country that have not reached that magic number. They're in the range of 10 to 14%. But those are lower density areas. So if you're up in the mountains with only bears, you don't need to wear a mask. Right. You know, but if you're, but if you're in, let's say, suburbia, um, and, you know, it's, you know, average suburbia, not like suburbia around LA. Yeah, that's know, different. Just the average suburbia in the United States, then you probably don't really need to wear the masks. But in a higher, in a higher density area that hasn't reached the magic number right. for herd immunity, I think that we need to be wearing masks in, in public places that have a lot of people. But that doesn't mean that you go walk to your car, um, you know, with a mask on or run outside with a mask. I've I seen think that. people in the, yeah, I mean, I see it all the time in New York. And I've noticed that since this outbreak in Brooklyn that we were mentioning earlier, yeah, uh, more people in New York are wearing masks and they give you the dirty look if <laughs> you're not. You know, I don't wear, I'll tell you what I do. I don't wear a mask when I'm outside exercising or walking around. I will wear a mask if I'm on the MTA or if I'm going to the grocery store. Smart. That's it. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's I a don't, good thing. I, I, you know, that's, that's it. Um, there's others that religiously put that mask on the moment they leave their home, that's even to right. like go get packages, you know, from the valet or something. Yeah. I see people driving in their cars alone wearing a mask. Yeah. I mean, that's a little absurd. I, yeah. You know, I just, I want to say something that's kind of deep. You know, it's in, and it's dark. Well, go ahead. The floor is yours. You know, you know, I, and I think a lot of people in this country are feeling how I'm feeling. I don't want to live a life of this continuous lockdown. I don't find that it is really living and that I'd rather live dangerously than to be living in fear. All right. So that means just going out and living your life and, and be somewhat prudent and respectful for others, but not to, to live in fear. The other, you know, the other side of that is, is that if they keep on pushing and, and saying, Hey, you have to take these vaccines and you have to do this and you have to be masked and you have to be tested all the time and you have to be downloading an app to, to, uh, do self checks and, and, and all this stuff, then, I think there are going to be many people out there that decide, you know what? I don't want to live that kind of life and I'm going to check out. They're going to do a voluntary checkout. You know what I mean? So they're going to you be know, living and, like like uh, James Bond, live dangerously. Well, yeah, you know, you either live dangerously and just, you know, and move forward with your life. And that's the preferred method that, I, that I'm thinking. Absolutely. Um, you know, the other option is, is that be, there's going to be more people that commit suicide because they just do not want to live under this tyranny. And then there's going to be another group of people that say, you know what, they're so fed up with it that they're going to actually go kinetic against the government. And we've been following in the footsteps of China, so that means smart cities will be um, rolled out in a, in a matter of um, maybe even months, since um, facial recognition is probably the way of uh, America now. 
the new normal, Paul, I think that might happen. I think mm. we have been pretty much pretty much submerged with what China is up to in terms of COVID and how they handle it. We are following in their footsteps, Paul. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, like with medical school, you know, you have to take, you have to get your vaccines and all this, right? So I, yeah. I, I, I needed a, a, a titer for hep B, right? So I go to the doctor, get that. So this is during this crisis. This, this happened about a month ago. Wow. So, so, you know, I, I go to the doctor, my general physician, and they don't have that many people in the lobby, in the waiting room. But when you go in, you have to do self-check. You know, you check in on an app before you arrive and pay your copay. And then someone is waiting the moment you step in. They have like X's on the floor taped and you stand while you wait in line. And an individual comes up and, and has that, that temperature gun at the forehead. Yeah. So there's this, these procedures that are starting to happen at the doctor's office and at other places where you cannot get service unless they take your temperature. Yeah, the fever now, scan. Now the problem, but there, there's, a, there's a metaphysical thing that's going on. It's this them pointing something at your head. It's almost a submission. It is the 1984. It, all right, right now it's a temperature gun, but in a few months... It could be a real gun. It could be a barrel of a gun, right? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. And it's almost like, and you know, you do, you know, martial arts. I do kendo. So, you know, when, when I, again, this is the first time ever that I had a gun to my, to, you know, a temperature gun to my head. Oh, I was going to say, is this the first time you ever was, had a gun held to your a, head? I, no, because no, no, that's no, happened no, to me no, plenty no, of no, times. Yeah, well, Paul. that too. You know, that was the first time I had a gun to my head too. But, but, oh, but the yeah. thing is, is that in kendo, you you have these you know you have this reaction you know you know this quick quick reaction to move forward you know when someone's attacking or when you feel when you feel it, they train they train you to to stay centered with your shinai and and move forward and move forward quickly so you block and hit at the same time and you're you're you 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 try to use your calf muscles to jump right. When he did that, I could feel that my calves wanted to react. I wanted to hit the guy. You jumped like Van Halen? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, not Van Halen. I didn't jump like Van Halen. It was almost like David Lee Roth. No, you mean like <laughs> David Lee Roth, right. The black belt. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but the thing is, is that I, there, was this, there was this reaction that I wanted to hit the guy because internally I felt threatened. Sure. You know, rightfully so. So, so I, so, all right. So, all right. He does this. Everything's fine. I'm normal temperature. I go see the doctor. The nurse comes in. You know, shoots my arm with the Hep B. The, you know, the third take, and you know, off I go. They sign the papers, and off I go. All right. It so happens that my earbuds for my iPhone stopped working. So I had to go to the around the corner was was um, the store, the Apple store. Okay, at Grand Central. So I go there and I'm waiting in line and you have to read this billboard saying that, you know, you understand all the, you know, the procedures. Right. They take your name on an iPad, you know, and you, and, you know, what are you buying? And you had to tell them what you're buying. You couldn't just browse. And then they okay you and they, you walk up the stairs and at, 
at near the midway of the stairs, there's another guy with a, you know, with a ray gun, you know, for, for the temperature, you know, and again, that calf muscle thing started reacting, you know, to jump, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and hit and right. hit the guy. And, you know, I, it was, and I just felt like, is this the, is this the freaking world that we are setting up in place? Because what happened right after 9-11? Everyone was fearful, and then the, the Patriot Act happened, and then people capitulated to, to the new normal. And, Michael, I do not want this new normal. If this is the new normal, I don't want to live in it. And therefore, it's either a voluntary checkout or a voluntary stop it from happening. Paul, are you telling me you by don't going, want faster? You don't want... Going, Paul, you, are you telling me you don't want faster internet and not having to take your wallet with you anywhere? No, no, no. I, you know, I'm old school. You know, I want my wallet. <laughs> I want my wallet in my, you know, in my back pocket, and I don't need faster internet if it's going to erode my civil liberties. And I just, you know, and faster is not farther. Faster is not better. You know, sometimes going a little bit slower is better. You know, it allows us to think. You know, I've noticed that when people are more connected with nature, they actually think better than, than, you know, this, this, uh, this technical society that we, that we're living in, you know, with all the screen time that we have. And you get this. no point of contention for me on that one. And of mm. course, members of the Trump administration have tested positive along list of them. Chris Christie, Stephen Miller, uh, Hope Hicks. And of course, I was also watching, uh, the former mayor of America, Rudy Giuliani on Fox News. And it seemed like he was having a bit of a coughing fit, uh, during the whole interview, by the way, Paul. I'm not sure if you, uh, ever caught audio of that, but I do have a clip of that right now. Let's play that. Obviously he's coughing throughout the whole thing. It makes me think, did, uh, Rudy catch the COVID? Makes one wonder. So Biden there, he says if the scientists say it's okay, he is going to, uh, he he has it because it's mucus. It's, there's a mucus cough. It's not a dry cough. And now this um, clip is not the right clip I wanted to show you. It was just uh, one cough there, but now he coughed more than once during this. Yeah, but if you here. notice it, it's it's that it's that mucus type cough. Oh yes, let's hear that one more time. This is really bad audio now. Yeah, by the way, after he coughed, he covered his mouth and shook his head a little bit there. Let me he's try to find a... Throat. He's yeah. trying to move it around and clear his throat. Let me try to find a way better sounding audio clip for you guys out there. Because that, that was a deep, that was deeper, too. It was like a deeper cough. It's not like just air going down the wrong pipe. Right. That was a rather nasty cough he's got going there. So who knows what's going on with the former mayor of America. Uh, when I say that, I don't usually say that in a nice tone, by the way. I never liked Rudy since 9-11, by the way, for the record. Well, you know, the thing, you know, for I didn't know Rudy when I moved to New York because I, I moved to New York when, when it was um, post-9-11. So, it, you know, Bloomberg was already mayor. Right. But the thing that Ju- Rudy Giuliani did for New York pre 9-11 was he cleaned up the streets, you know, and I wish we had a Giuliani right now instead of de Blasio in terms of trying to keep the city safe because de Blasio has made the, safe, the, the city less safe. Well, I think the old Giuliani has gone. I think Wait. the one we got now is gone. 
What do you different, mean? This is a Rudy. This is a way different Rudy Giuliani than the one that you knew back in the, back in the oh, day. Oh yeah. Well, um, I mean, you know, you know, he's a, more of a consultant kind of guy. He's more like Kissinger. Here we go. And I don't wear masks as much as probably I should. And I haven't gotten COVID either. And a lot of Mayor, people. Mayor, you post- heard Joe Biden there. He says if the scientists say it's okay, <laughs> he is. I don't wear a mask, and he's coughing. I'm pretty the optics of that are so bad. Pretty weird to see that. So. Well, you know, he you was know. part of that. He was part of that whole circle, and you know, of, of people, you know, catching it, and, and he tested negative, and then now it looks like he has he has an infection. Are we going to blame? That is a deep. That is. It a is. Deep, are, oh. are we going to blame Hope Hicks? By the way, is she for sure the one who spread the virus? Well, there's two theories that are going on. There's the the Paul Cottrell theory and the George Webb theory. Let's hear that. Um, okay, so my theory is that at the Rose Garden, there was a virus that was a, a, a virus that was released on the chairs, and it was only in the front row, the the, the front um, section on the right and left side. Wow! Someone told me that earlier, by the way, just today. So you might be onto something. Continue. You know. So when you look from the podium on the right side, um, that was where Kelly and Conway was sitting behind Melania. Mm. And there were three people that at that time contracted or tested positive. They were sitting relatively close together. The other three on the the left side were sitting farther apart. Okay. Now you got to remember, let's think about this for a sec. The assumption was, is that the virus is at an R naught value of 1.3. That means that 1.3 individuals would contract from someone that is that is symptomatic. Okay. And um, now these individuals are, are being tested before they even get to the, ro- the Rose Garden. Okay. So they tested negative before they, they, they were at the Rose Garden to clear them. All right. I could see one or two people testing positive on how many people that were in the Rose Garden where the test didn't catch it. But it just so happens that it's only the first three rows on the right and left side of the president. That's weird. Everyone in the back didn't catch it. All right. And then they had a reception after. So there was co-mingling. So there should have been more people in the back that caught it. They didn't. So and so it, it leads me to believe that the cheers were the mechanism and they they put the virus on the chairs. And that means that, that there was an a, a attempt uh, on the president's life. So, and most likely the, the virus was the D614G strain. All right. Now that, so it's independent of hope catching it. Now, Webb, George Webb is thinking that it happened in, in Ohio because there was a, a campaign stop in Ohio with Trump and the theory is, is that there was there was some sort of spread, spraying, again forcefully, in the hangar for that for that campaign function, mm. and that hope contracted it and then spread it to others that were in that in that hangar, uh, you know, other people in that hangar, uh, you know, spread it. So there was the was was the genesis at Ohio or was the genesis in in the Rose Garden, even if Hope was patient zero for this incident, if she was if she was patient zero, how did Kelly and Conway get it? Right. 
So I so something and it, these events could these could have happened together. There could have been a spraying in Ohio and a lacing on the chairs. That's right. They may not be mutually exclusive. Yeah, as I told so, you before, it's possible I, that we don't even know how this thing is being um, spread exactly. I mean, we we don't we do know the aerosols and the droplets and all that, but uh, there could be another way, another method of infecting someone that we aren't even aware of yet. It's possible, yeah, but you know, but the thing is, is you know, I wouldn't mind getting infected by hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone, but, uh, you know, someone told me, by the way, they said uh, all the world's trouble always began with a beautiful woman. Well, it, you know, it's probably true. <laughs> That's what an older gentleman told me. And Hope Hicks is actually a very beautiful woman. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny that, uh, do you know Stephen Molyneux at all? I don't know who he is exactly, but I have heard a few random clips throughout okay, YouTube okay. throughout so, the years. So I, you know, I, I know him and we, we go back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, uh, every other day or so, you know, behind the scenes. We do recordings together, but we, we talk quite a bit behind nice. the scenes. And, and you know, he, he, he sends me a text message. He goes, I can't believe someone that just got out of high school 14 years ago <laughs> infected the president. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know. He's so, not wrong. You know, I just, you know, he has his, you know, he is, he, you know, he has a way of words, but, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't believe that, that I don't believe the theory that hope is patient zero to spread, you know, around because the idea is that Trump got it from hope and Trump spread it to everybody else. But if that's the case, if that's true, then why weren't, why was it only in the front row, you know, the front three rows mm-hmm. on the right and the left? And nobody else that co-mingled during the reception. So I, I don't believe that for a second. Um, so, but something weird probably happened in Ohio. And I still hold the, the thought at this moment in time until, you know, further evidence proves otherwise. I think they laced the, the chairs. It's possible. And that means, that means that the, the president's life is compromised. Someone might have tried taking them out. You never know. Yeah. And, and, and the other data points are, for the last month and a half, you've you've heard of drones trying to hit his plane. You're ricin. You know, yeah. the, the, the guy was shooting on the grounds of the White House. I mean, this is not out of the, you know, this seems to be, you know, standard procedure you know, for, the, yeah. for the Trump administration. That's true. You know, so, you know, so I just, I don't, I, something, I think something was released Somehow, well, see, some common surface. See, um, Paul, that's why I, I, and I told you this in previous episodes, that's probably why we see the virus um, acting so erratic. Sometimes you see this big spike, sometimes you don't. It's probably because um, the coughing and the sneezing and all that and, and the surface, I'm sure those are all good ways of catching the virus, but I'm sure there were more effective ways like dosing someone with the virus which is probably what was going on remember the anthrax scare post 9-11 right that was linked right. to the fbi right exactly so you, you know, never know the man. thing is is that you know that there's these there's these episodes that are you, you got to remember who's orchestrating this this is the ccp and the deep state okay and they want to create fear and roll in policies that erode our civil liberties so and they don't want the president to be reelected. So what they, they get, you know, they get two birds with one stone here. Right. They t- try to weaken the presidential campaign. All right. Maybe take out the president at the same time. So it's maybe three birds. 
and the you know the idea of create fear in the public to be more accepting for a forced vaccine program. It's a bit of a Trojan horse, right? A multi-layered mm-hmm. issue, as it mm-hmm. always is. And I haven't been tested for COVID nineteen, uh, but I highly doubt I actually ever contracted the virus. And uh, Paul, have you taken a COVID test yet? No, I haven't. I haven't. Need, I haven't been sick. You know, where it would warrant that. But what will happen is when I start going in, depending if we get past this this episode, yeah. when I start doing uh, clinical rotations, um, and if it's still you know a major problem in New York, I will have to be tested every day. Understood. Well, try hard to get the swab test done. Don't let them shove anything down your na- your nasal cavity. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, you heard that one episode where someone pierced the, the membrane and went into the brain? Not only that, though, Paul, what that's I'm... shit, man. Yeah, that's, that's pretty screwed up, but another thing is that it's only about 70% accurate. Well, yeah, you know, I've heard different numbers. I've heard as our... The, 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 we're trained um, systems-based, okay? So when we were doing the um, the... Cardi- the the uh, cardiovascular mm. system. Mm-hmm. We had an epidemiologist. We we have to learn epidemiology too. So we had an epidemiology professor, um, you know, talk about modeling diseases and stuff. And um, that discussion led to how accurate are the tests? And the number I heard was eighty five percent. Oh my. See, so, I heard the swab the swab test is much more accurate the oral swab. Mm, see, I, I, I heard I, it was the other way yeah, around. It was I actually could, the nasal swab was more accurate, and the, the, the oral was less accurate because the enzymes, the saliva enzymes, are are are, are you know breaking it down. More. See, this is an example. Of you have conflicting the conflicting reports. You have the, Paul. Yeah. yeah, it's it's something else. You but, know, the protein. You know, the proteases that are in the saliva are breaking stuff down. All I have to say, Paul, is that 4% of the world's population and 20% of all cases, uh, more deaths than any other country. Well, we also have the highest comorbidity. It's insane. It's another thing that, that happened when we were doing our lecture s- series for the epidemiology. There's a wake-up yeah. call is what I'm trying to get at, Paul, yeah, for America. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with everything, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. our, our yeah. health, yeah. our go down yeah. the, the gauntlet here. Yeah, exactly. And we stated on your first show That's we, right. you know, that, that it's about boosting your immune system. Right. And if people don't wake up and start realizing that if it, it is your body is like a temple, all right? If you treat it like crap, don't be surprised that it turns into a ghetto. You know? I love that. <laughs> you know, you know, and you know, it, it, you have to have proper diet, proper mental health, you know, proper nutrition. Genetics plays a little bit, but at, you know the epigenetics is more important, and that's that you know based on based on your habits and your environment, you can code a different different things that are in your DNA, either silence things or activate. So if you have the proper diet and the proper health, and you don't have endocrine disruption from all the chemicals that are in our environment then you're going to have a better immune system and you won't have chronic infection and you most likely won't have as many cancers or you know other chronic diseases that that pop up you know people that are healthy and, and are you know on certain types of antioxidant regimes or 
or, you know, are taking, um, you know, different supplementation like iodine and filtered water and stuff, they have a propensity of not getting colds. They don't have the, you know, the seasonal cold, but the ones that do drink fluorinated water and don't take iodine supplementation, they start getting, and they're eating the potato chips and the McDonald's, they start to get the endocrine disruption. Like Chris Christie. Yeah. Oh, he's, 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 uh, he's always at McDonald's, right? Right. He's the poster child for endocrine disruption. Amazing stuff. I never would have guessed that was going to occur. And my God, who would have guessed that what 2020 would have in store for us? Truly. I mean, if you would have told me this was going to happen maybe a year or two ago, I would have looked at you like you were insane. Mm-hmm. The unthinkable has and, happened. And, and what's interesting is with Giuliani, it wouldn't surprise me that he has some sort of pulmonary infection from 9-11. He might. And that this is exacerbating it. Yeah, that's something to look out for, ladies and gentlemen. Look out for Rudy Giuliani, perhaps testing hot for the. Well, COVID. I think he's, I, but he he's up there in age. He is. He's not. He's not a spring chicken. It's very possible that Giuliani kicks the butt before Christie. He could be, but we hope he does not die. Of course, gotta now, state that. What, by what the was way, the, what would yeah? What was the take? What was the, what was your take on why Giuliani about Giuliani, you know, not being a good mayor during 9/11? Well, there's lots of things that are strange about his participation of the that morning uh, of 9/11, what what happened that Tuesday morning, and it's it's a strange thing once you look into it. Do you think he was forewarned? I believe he was. I believe he had prior knowledge uh, to what was going to happen. I think anyone that had prior not knowledge or was part of the stand down uh, are traitors to this country and should be executed. They should be tried and executed for treason, and that includes Cheney, because I, I believe that it was an inside job and, the, and that the, and the military was told to stand down. There's a long list and, of players. So yep, yep. Yeah, I, I didn't know that he. I didn't know that he was forewarned. I believe he was. I believe he had prior knowledge to all of these things happening. Well, yeah, because he was supposed to be in Tower 7, right? That's exactly correct. He was supposed to be there for breakfast. Yeah. And it just so happens, you know, he wasn't. So what does that say to you? Wow. Yeah. And a lot of things have happened, you know, since then. And I've always stated that this event is tied to 9-11. I see it as a canonical event, what I call the canonical event. You know, it start, you know, the the bookends start at 9-11. A period of time goes by, the erosion of our civil liberties, the building up of China, the movement towards Agenda 21 and Agenda, you know, 2030. And, um, you know, here we are. We're at, you know, in 2020. And this is, you know, the ending of that canonical cycle. Now, the question is, is are we going to placate to, to the plan? Or are we going to stand up and fight? I, you know, I'm a fighter. I prefer to fight this. That's true. You know, and and I'm trying to find ways to do it peacefully, but I keep on coming back to my original gut feeling. This is that the only way to stop this, because the government, this was mentioned by Addy Ads. I I, I talked to Addy a lot. I don't know if you know him or not, but, you know, he's a younger guy and, and, um, um, you know, he has a small channel, but, but he's trying to grow it. And he, he, he's, he has some wisdom, but he, he was mentioning a few nights ago when we were doing our recording 
problem with the government is, is that it's controlling everything. So even if you try to be off the grid or you try to have some sort of autonomy, because they control everything, they control your life. And it gets to a point where you, you, you either capitulate and just let it happen or you have to bring down the system. And this is where I'm at. It's yeah. like I don't see any other solution other than war. I agree. Internal war to stop it because they will never end. So that means that brick by brick, we have to dismantle the UN and throw it into the Atlantic Ocean. We have to forcefully destroy the system. You can't do it peacefully because too many politicians and too many agencies have been bought and paid for and they're compromised. Yeah, speaking of compromised, uh, Paul, just to add on to that, the head director of the FBI on that morning of September 11th, this name should not surprise you, is Robert Mueller. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, does mm-hmm. it make more sense to you now? Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, this is this just proves, you know, the point. This, is, this has been a canonical event that's, that's, that's been played out for decades. And, it seems um, like that. Yeah, well, we got to stop it. We can't. I mean, I, I think the reason why I am so sensitive to this is that I was outside of the country when nine eleven happened. I was in South Korea for for a automotive project, and when I came back on September sixteenth, um, the country I left was gone. It was upside down. Could, yeah, well, it was just, and it never, it, I, it never came back. Yeah, I never have seen. The country I left in, I think I flew out in July or June, late June, from Detroit to, you know, to, um, you know, go to South Korea. But, and then, you know, fly back in September, mid-September, and it's a totally different, it's a different country. And, you know, a never-ending war in the Middle East and, you know, and then, you know, fast forward to the Wuhan crisis and everything. I'll tell you, I, I want the country I left, but I don't see any other way than physically taking it back. And voting people into office isn't going to help because they they get compromised. You can't get enough people that they're on the same page, you know, and I just like, are we going to lose the country that was formed by the founding fathers, you know, when they were debating in Philadelphia about what the country should be? Because I, I, I feel as though if we don't rise up, and fight this, physically fight it. I think we are going to lose this democracy or this constitutional republic. Very interesting thoughts and opinions here tonight. And as usual, I learn something new every night, every time we have these discussions. Paul, you are always a, a true, I guess you could, I was going to call you a true patriot, but that's, that's such a hack term in my opinion. I think you are an ups, uh, just a fine American citizen, I should say, and I think that's that's admirable. No, I, I I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate the time that you allot for me to be on your channel to you know to promote some of of the ideas, and you know to 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 have people at least listen to this analysis. You know, of this this long play deep state play that's you know eroding our civil liberties you know it's not a really it's not a battle between democrats and republicans or biden versus trump it's right. much deeper than that it's much much deeper and that you know the whole 
honestly, I think the conversation that we had tonight is so, more, so much more in-depth than the debate that they had tonight with the, the VPs. I agree. This was a, you know? a great conversation, and yes, you are an upstanding citizen. I, I think that's the right term I should have used. And uh, Dave in the chat room is saying, take question. I'm not sure what that means. But if I you, think, I think, well, if you have a question, you better spit it out. We're about to wrap yeah. this up here. Oh, there, there was one individual that typed in the question about, um, yeah, you know, um, weaponizing COVID nineteen. I see. Or, you know, weaponizing, weaponizing into into some powder. I don't think that would work. I, I don't think that that would work. So I don't, I don't believe that's ta- taking place. Uh, that it's. There's this debate, you know, how aerosol is it? Mm-hmm. You know, is it truly is it is it truly um, airborne or is it droplet? I still I'm holding I'm holding the thought at this moment that it's it's droplet and that that but the there's been data that's been swaying back and forth even when we were doing our early recordings with uh, you know us three you know you know Mike you and I All right. Um, you know, that, um, you know, I said, well, it was airborne because of the data was showing it. And then they said, well, it's probably not airborne. It's droplet. Um, so I still hold, I still hold that it's droplet and not, you know, real airborne, but, um, there's something fishy going on with the HVAC systems. You have these, these governors saying you can't open up your business. You can't open up the mall unless you upgrade the HVAC systems. So George Webb is is saying, you know what? It's there's probably some sort of spreading of the virus. If the deep state, if 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 it's not killing us like or, or infecting us at at the rate they thought, that they're putting in HVAC systems to try to perpetuate the infection. And you know, you can kind of mystify that 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 virus and put it in the HVAC system and, and then it'll, you know, spread in that, in that room. Businesses in New York, a, a small restaurant, they have to upgrade their HVAC system. So if you put a, a filter in place that is laced with SARS-CoV-2, um, it's very possible that you could spread it in the room. Absolutely. So that's the, you know, so that's the theory that George Webb has. And I kind of concur that, you know, that's definitely a possible mode you know, a, a modality to sp- to spread the virus. Yeah, I don't. But I, it out. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's like powdered. I don't. No, I don't, I don't think it's like yeah, anthrax. No, it's not a powder for sure. And it was seven months ago officially when we first started talking about the virus. And my God, I've learned so much, Paul. Yeah, I, you know, there's it's there's still a lot to be learned. That's true. I mean, the the, per, the professors, you know, are you know said there's this thing's going to be researched. If we all live, this thing's going to be researched for the next 30 years. And there's probably going to be about 20 to 30,000 PhDs that come out of this, you know, you know, in any, in, in different levels, you know, yeah. some of it's going to be in the bi, in, in biology, virology, some of it's going to be, you know, sociology, some of it's going to be economic related, but there's going to be so, there, there's so many ways to cut this event. And there's going to be a lot of theses, a lot of dissertations that come from it. And we have to do in the our, next thirty years. We're going to if do we our, survive. Yeah, we're going to do our due do, uh, diligence quite soon here. I'm pretty sure lots of people will be uh, added twenty four seven. And Paul, my goodness, you are constantly putting out videos. You are busy with school. 
You are also putting out uh, health products out there. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about that before we wrap it up here. Well, I mean, I I, I have a store um, on my on my website. It's the dash studio dash com. But any if you just go to my my YouTube channel, I have links to all of my social media and my websites, and and I provide products on my website that boost your immune system. I have been taking antioxidants since I've been 16 years old. You know, I used to do triathlons in my 20s and mid 30s, and you know, I've been a firm believer in health and fitness and you know proper diet and because of the heart disease that ran in my in my family and my brother died from heart disease I've been hypersensitive to health and and fitness and you know it's all about inflammation you want to keep the inflammation down you want to you know it you it so it's about taking antioxidants so I sell stuff like nano silver products toothpaste that don't have any fluoride that have the nano silver in it I sell liquid nano silver um this is the this is the type of nano silver that's uh, what is called structural nano silver. So it's not the colloidal. So you can take it every day. The colloidal you can't take every day, but but this you can because it's structural. And um, but I have uh, you know vitamin C products, D three products, uh, sleep aid products that are melatonin and tryptophan. Um, I have the ashwagandha root, you know, for energy. Um, you got everything. Yeah, you know, and I also do. I also have C60, so uh, purple power. So that's that's a strong antioxidant. Uh, I used to have glasses. I used to wear glasses since I was 19 years old. And when I started taking C60 and I stacked it with NMN, which is uh, nucleotide uh, um, um, nicotinamide nucleotide um, uh, nicotine mono. Wait, what is it called? It's NMN nicotinamide. Mononucleotide, I think, is, is it. So NMN, when I stacked it with C60, I stopped needing glasses for a, after two months of that treatment. And I've been taking it ever since. And I was amazed that I, I, wasn't, I didn't need glasses anymore. And I had farsightedness and stigmatism. And, quote, the scientists out there, the, you know, the, the dogma would be, well, that, that couldn't happen. But it did. And so and it wasn't like a cataract other, sort of thing. People. Wait, say that again. Uh, I was just saying it's not like a cataract sort of thing. No, uh, I not me. You know, I didn't have a cataract, but but you know, but um, well, there's like three types. So, well, I, but you're clear. Well, I yeah, I'm. I I, yeah, mine's clear. I didn't have okay. a cataract. I had just the stigmatism, so it was more the shape of the eye. Ah, so it wasn't so. That's good. But, that's good. But I don't have it anymore. I mean, that's the thing. Is is my eyesight got better and better and better over time. And then it's a very strong antioxidant, so it keeps the ROS, the reaction of oxygen species, low. So you don't have this this inflammation. So it's a, it's 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 way stronger than 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 uh, vitamin C. And that's what it's you need right way now. Strong. But you need, but yeah. So you know, I t- so I sell C sixty, but vitamin C is important too to take. So you know, so it's not C sixty should not s- supplant vitamin C because you need vitamin C for other biological pathways. You know, you definitely need it for collagen. You know, there's, there's, you, you need it in your, you, know, you don't want to get scurvy. If you just, exactly. if, if you just yeah. took C60, 
and didn't take, you know, vitamin C and they had, you know, fruits and vegetables, you know, you'd get scurvy. That's right. But, you know, but, but, you know, it's important to, to, to take supplementation for antioxidant, anti-aging protocol. So I sell these types, you know, I sell these supplements on my store. And then not only that, I, I partnered with a, um, a, um, a company called Quench Naturel. It's a minority owned business. Uh, that um, it's all natural products, like all natural deodorants. There's no aluminum, no heavy metals. So these these products are great for individuals that have um, sensitive skin or you know have some sort of um, you know skin irritation. So there's there's a whole deodorant line. There's there's actually an eczema line where. Um, if you have a rash or, or a bug bite, you can put, put this, uh, um, just rub the bar on your arm and then the pain will go away and the rash will go away pretty quickly. So I have, you know, I, I've been trying to provide products that are all natural, anti-inflammatory, um, antioxidant oriented. Yeah. And products that it, work in other words. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and it, it's stuff I use and it's not that expensive and it helps the channel. It helps to promote the message. And, you know, if people would, you know, find that it's beneficial to them, please purchase the products from my store. But I just prefer that you just purchase the products anywhere so it helps your health. That's right. You know, you don't have, if you don't want to buy from me, that's fine. It's just, just purchase it somewhere to, to boost your health. Because I'm telling you, the best thing in our toolbox is our immune system. But you have to treat your immune system properly. So it can fight this virus and, and, and other pathogens as you, you go through life. And if you don't have chronic infection, then you're not going, your body isn't always in a state of trying to reheal itself. So you're going to, you're just going to feel better. And you're going to, and when you are exposed to a pathogen, you have more energy to fight it. So, um, so I do sell, you know, sell those products, but then I, I re, it uh, restarted up my Twitter so people can sign up on my Twitter. Uh, again, the links are in my videos, so it's easy to find me. I also have a Facebook page again. I had to shut that all down because of all the problems I was having oh, wow. with uh, AMA but um, and the American Medical Association. But, you know, so some of the things <laughs> I was stating about Fauci. But, but, um, we'll edit this part and, out. Don't worry. So, but the thing is, is, um, but then I, I'm on the board of this group that we set up. We have about uh, six board members and we're trying to, you know, provide information. So it's important to sign up to this group on Facebook, which is the Freedom Restoration Foundation. So I'm been, I'm, I have multiple channels that people can follow me on and, you know, please subscribe on my YouTube my main channel, which is Paul Cottrell, my backup YouTube channel is Dr. Paul Cottrell, and I'm also Dr. Paul Cottrell on Brighton. And I have, um, I also have uh, a Patreon account for people that would like, you know, to support that way. But again, what's more important is not supporting me, but getting products that help boost your immune system. So just me sharing the information will help you and you can buy it anywhere you want. Absolutely. So that's one point. But another thing is, is that me sharing the information. So we stand up and protect that constitution. That's important. That is, that is far more important than trying to, 
you know, support Dr. Paul Cottrell and, you know, and, but the thing is, is that we need to band together and to band together, we have to subscribe to each other and share and link and do these shows. You know, Michael, we are part of a network that is trying to save this country. And it is important that, you know, to just get the message out and, and to keep moving forward. But, you know, we are censored and shadow banned and, That's right. you know, and all this. And it's, it's a problem. That's why I have to have these multiple channels to try to, you know, get the word out. I have to, I have to publish on three different plat, you know, three different platforms and do shows to be able to, you know, to get the, the word out and do these webinars. You know, again, this, uh, you know, to plug what's going on on October 17th, um, the, uh, trade, uh, Cat night, um, is doing a conference, a, a webinar that people can sign up and that's on October 17th. And Leo Zagami is going to be a speaker, John X army, uh, Dr. James Fetzer, uh, myself will be speaking and we will be doing, um, probably about 30 or 40 minutes each about this crisis. Now, the, the title of the conference is Resisting the Satanic World Order Conference. My speech is going to be focused more on the Biopatriot Act and how we need to fight it and how we can fight it and the importance of fighting it. So it's, it's, it's you know, it has a, a very patriotic tone to it. Um, and, you know, to talk about this, this um, canonical timeline from 9-11 to to the crisis that we're in now yeah that should be but very I, interesting but i i appreciate michael very much on you lending your platform to me to spread the word no I, doubt i greatly no doubt. appreciate it you got it my friend and i appreciate you being here and spending some some of your time with us all it's been an honor and pleasure as it always is paul and i do want to leave you with just one more final word uh, anything you'd like to add before we part ways here? The floor is yours, Paul. Go ahead. Well, as we are as we are moving towards the the election, the general election, we're probably going to see a lot more strife in 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 the streets. You know, between the Democrats or the Republicans or the Antifa movement against the Proud Boys, and and you know. You got to pick a side, you know, we need to come together as a country, but the reality of the situation is there's some deep division and you got to pick a side. And I, yeah, I'm picking the side of protecting the constitution and, you know, we, we need, it's getting to the point where we need to start standing up and saying, no, we do not consent to these government overreach policies, especially when it comes to forced vaccines. Once again, thank you so much, Paul. I will talk to you again on the other side. Okay. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you so much. We'll talk again. Stay safe, Paul. You too. Good Bye. night. Good night. And there he goes, boys and girls, the one and only Dr. Paul Cottrell coming to you live all the way from NYC. And of course, I do want to thank all of you for hanging out with us here tonight. Those of you in the chat room and of course, those that will listen on the podcast rendition of the program. Thank you kindly. And of course, yeah, those who listen for the very first time, I do want to thank all of you for hanging out. I hope you do subscribe to this YouTube channel or, of course, the podcast version of the program. 
which sounds a lot better than what you'll find on YouTube, that's for sure. You can find this program, the podcast version, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, and I actually prefer CastBox. Pretty good app. Nice web interface as well. I prefer that. And of course, if you are a hardcore listener of this program and want bonus material, please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And that is where you'll find more gold. Speaking of which, next week, October 13th, that is Tuesday, I will be talking to Oli Damagard. And that is exclusively on Patreon only. You won't find that anywhere, so make sure to sign up as soon as you can. Support the show, support Oli Damagard. That would be the American thing to do. Now, once again, I do want to thank all of you out there for hanging out with us here tonight. It was fun. I learned a lot. I hope you did too. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. Those in Sweden, Brazil, Russia, UK, Canada, and New Zealand, they are out there. I love that. Once again, before I leave here tonight, please consider your health. Start boosting your immune systems. Now is the time. I'm Michael Deacon, and with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.